is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get around. No. They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beatty. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. Welcome, 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 welcome to a new show of the Sports Loudmouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. As everybody knows, every single Wednesday now, our show is live at 7 p.m. It will not be at 9 p.m. like we have been doing uh, the show every Tuesday. Uh, It is now at 7 p.m. and now it's Wednesday and Thursday. Tomorrow is our late show which will be 9 to 12 a.m. Speedy, what's going on, man? Well, I, I'm not happy about my Giants, unfortunately. They decided to lose to Cooper Rush, of all people, but that offensive line is uh, having a lot of other issues. But uh, there were some particular family members that were very happy for their uh, undefeated Miami Dolphins. My cousin was screaming. My uncle's very happy that they knocked off the Bills, just like you predicted. And <laughs> I predicted them, Carolina. Yep. I, I mean... A lot of my predictions came true this weekend. By the way, by the way my uncle also, uh, he really liked the hat that you, you gave. Oh, good. Yeah, so he, was, he was a big fan of the design, too. There you go. I'm happy that he loves the hat. Yeah. There you go. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, a, a lot of crazy things happen in, in week three, and we'll recap it a little bit later in the show. At 730, we'll be talking to the owner of Forever Blue Shirts and Daily what is it? Goldhorn, yep. Anthony uh, uh, Scaltare. He'll be joining us. Me and Anthony have our differences when it comes oh, to, yeah. uh, I guess you can argue, hockey um, and other sports as well. Uh, at 8 o'clock, we will be talking to Rotor Wire assistant baseball editor James Anderson. He will be jo- joining us. We'll talk a little Yankees, some Mets, uh, who wins the uh, National League East uh, as the Mets and the Atlanta Braves are tied uh, it's crazy. This National League Eastern, uh, you know, craziness is is really starting to uh, break wind. <laughs> you like yeah. that, Speedy? Break no, wind? no, I don't, because the Mets are continuing to lose against bad teams again. So maybe the Braves are breaking wind on the Mets. Yeah, maybe they are. <laughs> um, so a lot of things we're going to get into with baseball. Aaron Judd still... Uh, is stuck at 60 home runs. He is in tonight's lineup. He will be uh, hitting DH as, uh, you know, Anthony Rizzo is the manager tonight for the New York Yankees. Uh, The Yankees are playing minor leaguers, uh, and the only player uh, half decent in the lineup tonight is going to be Aaron Judge. So there you go. Uh, So we'll get into the whole Aaron Judge situation. Yankees clinch uh, the American League East. The Mets and Braves are now tied. National League East, uh, you know, it's crazy. It really is. We'll get into that. Uh, that might be the first subject we'll get into, but we'll see. Uh, Zach Wilson likely to return week four versus the Steelers as the New York Jets are going to be playing backup tackles. 
uh, this week against a very good pass rush in the Pittsburgh Steelers. So how does it bold well for the Zach Wilson week and era, which will start uh, this coming week in Pittsburgh? So that'll be fun. I'm sure the Pittsburgh fans will love it, too. Maybe we'll see Kenny Pickett sometime uh uh, on Sunday. That'll be interesting because uh, I know that a lot of the Pittsburgh Steelers fans are crying for it. So I don't think he's ready. No, I, I really Mike don't. Tomlin said it wasn't going to happen this week. We'll see. Likely. We'll see. Unless if, it happens in game. If Mitch doesn't play well in the first half and this Jets defense, which has not looked good for the last three weeks, somehow gets to the quarterback and knocks Trubisky on his ass, we'll see how long it takes him to say, you know what? Let's start him in the second half and see what we got here. So, uh, and then we'll we'll just like we did with Tom Brady, we uh, we open up a can of worms because then we turn another quarterback into a superstar. Who knows? This is the New York Jets. Uh, they hurt a quarterback, and then another backup quarterback comes in and turns into a super superstar, and that's because of the Jets. So it wouldn't surprise me if this happens. Um, the Giants lose their first game on Monday night against the Cowboys. Uh, they also lose Sterling Shepard for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, Odell Beckham, who is still healing from his ACL uh, surgery that he had after the Super Bowl, uh, really spoke out to the NFL. And it, it's very interesting. And I'll get into that a little bit later in the show because uh, he speaks out to protect the players and some of the wide receivers in the skill positions because he believes that the NFL, with the billions and billions of dollars that they bring in, he is complaining that they should all, all the stadiums should be having or should be playing on grass. None of the the crap that they're playing on throughout the country because it saves them money and saves them, you know, workers. You know, they don't want to pay the workers to, to fix it or keep, you know, keep on top of it. So what they're doing is they're trying to get rid of grass, which is causing ACL problems and, and other surgeries, knee surgeries and all that other stuff that – um, he also was talking about he was also talking about hamstring problems. A lot of these players, these youngsters, are getting hamstring problems because they're not playing on grass uh, like they played in high school and college. So it's very interesting what Odell, Odell Beckham speaks out, trying to protect the players and protecting his friend Sterling Shepard, which he says was absolutely disgraceful. Uh, watching him go down at the end of the game against the Cowboys in the fourth quarter on Monday Night Football. Um, and we'll get into, obviously, week three in football. We'll go through all the games, our thoughts, as the Jacksonville Jaguars are hot. And uh, they uh, have a quarterback. Trevor Lawrence, slowly but surely, is becoming the star that they believe. Maybe they just needed a new coach, a guy that actually knows what he's doing well. in Peterson. So, <laughs> Every coach is going to be better than what they had to deal with last year. <laughs> I mean, James Robinson is, is becoming, uh, again, I, I always like James Robinson. Always like James Robinson. I, I didn't understand why they brought ETN in, but uh, obviously him and Trevor Lawrence were roommates in college. ETN was one of the big superstar running backs coming out of the draft. I always thought Harris was better than ETN uh, from Pittsburgh. Yeah, a lot of people did. Uh, but uh, a lot of him tearing his ACL last year before the season even started, he didn't have a season. And now coming back in his rookie season, he really, he really hasn't touched the ball a lot. And, yeah. It it looks like it's James Robinson's team, so it'll be very interesting as the season progressively moves on what they decide to do with ETN or do they trade him in the offseason because a lot of teams could be looking for a running back, a.k.a. the Pittsburgh, I'm I'm sorry, the Buffalo Bills. So if they don't 
land a Saquon Barkley, which there are stories coming out right now that that I, I've been talking about this before the season even started. I spoke about it with Speedy, and Speedy can even admit to it that uh, Saquon Barkley will not be re-signed by the New York Giants, and that, that I believe that the Giants will trade him to the Buffalo Bills either in the the beginning of uh, the end of last season, going into the offseason, or sometime at the trade deadline this season. And I believe uh, the season that he's having right now and – what they can get back for him. Because if he keeps playing the way he is, I could see Buffalo giving the Giants a second-round draft pick. He's not worth the first round. He's a running back. but And, and you're going to have to pay him in the offseason. Yeah. So maybe they rent him out for this season, try to make that run for the Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl, something Buffalo hasn't done since I, I don't remember. Ever. ever. They haven't yeah. won a Super Bowl since they were in the – they haven't won a championship since they were in the AFL. Well, they went to back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back Super Bowls. Yep. The Four Falls won. of Buffalo. And never won. But yep. it'll be interesting. I, if Buffalo really believes they can win this year and they're, the one piece that miss, they're missing is a, a running back slash blocker, I think Saquon would fit very, very well with them. And maybe they bring him back in the offseason if they can afford him. Maybe not, but at least you win a Super Bowl and you get the player that you need. Uh, it, the way he's playing, I think the Giants could get a second-round draft pick for him. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. So let's get into – let's get baseball out of the way because we're going to have um, uh, forever Blue Shirts Daily uh, goal horn Anthony Scaltori, he, he, who's going to be joining us in a little while. And we'll get into a lot of hockey with him and arguing – Arguing, even though the Islanders have not looked good, by the way, in their two preseason games, but they're playing a bunch of rookies. I'm, I'm not all in on it, but Volamov and Sorokin have not looked good in the preseason games. But I hate Volamov, by the way. Anyways, um, the Aaron Judge thing, and I, I know a lot of Yankee fans are sitting back and they're wondering when's this home run going to happen? Why? Is it that these pitchers from the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, pitching around him, walking him? He's, I think he's walked like 12 or 13 times in the last pass, two series. And I, I understand that nobody wants to give up that home run that's going to tie Roger Maris's home run record in 61. And nobody's going to want to give him that record-breaking home run, which will make him the home run king. And I believe he will be the home run king. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, from the non-steroid era. But to me, Aaron Judge is going to stay in this lineup. Now, I don't know if he's going to break that home run record because if you if you know the past of baseball, Hank Greenberg played for the Detroit Tigers in the 50s and the 60s. He had 58 home runs. If you remember, I don't know if you know baseball uh, or anybody that is not old enough to know who Hank Greenberg is. He was a power hitter from the Detroit Tigers in the 50s and the 60s. Well, 40, late 40s, 50s, and 60s. He had 58 home runs. And I think he had, at one point, 20 games left. And they walked him the whole season because they didn't. At that in, in that level and in, in the situation of where baseball was, they didn't want a Jewish guy to break the home wow. run record. And that my grandfather, who is a big baseball fan, big baseball fan, told me that nobody wanted Hank Greenberg to break that record because he was Jewish. Now I don't know if the stories are true, but that's what I was told. I know because I'm Jewish. 
I have Jewish blood in me. I have Catholic side and Jewish side, but uh, that's what my grandfather told me. Now, I don't know if the stories are true, and obviously, Hank Greenberg never broke that record. And that record, it took, uh, uh, that, that Babe Ruth record, it took years and years after that, I would say about nine or ten years before Roger Maris, or eight years before Roger Maris broke that record. And I remember there was a race for 61 with Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris. But I will say this. There is, what, 10 games left for the Yankees? Yeah, it looks like about a week left, and they already clinched, obviously. They are going to keep Aaron Judge in this lineup until he breaks 61. I don't know if they're going to care if he breaks 62. It might give him a chance. But they have to protect their best player. And that's the most important concern that Aaron Boone going into the off, going into the uh, postseason. And, and, and I know everybody's going to sit here and say, well, the Yankees don't have to play that three-game wild card where they, they could sit back and relax for the divisional series. They got a full week off before the divisional series. And that's not good. Eight games left. So you have eight games left, and he has to hit two home runs. So does Aaron Boone play him all eight games if he if he doesn't break that 61 or 62 uh, number? I, I don't know. I don't. But over the years, a lot of people don't want to see or they don't want to be the pitcher of that hitter to break that record. I The only record I believe will never be broken is Joe DiMaggio's record. Yeah. Because of the way the game is now today, that hitting streak is so very hard. The power of these pitchers, the pit, it's just, it's very, very hard. And, and, and also, you have, to play fresh, you have to play those fresh pitchers coming out of the bullpen. So you, you think every single, you know, every single time up, you, you're seeing that pitcher over and over and over again, you're going figure, to figure him out and read him. But then after three times around, you pull him, and then you got to play. You got to you got to figure out that that relief pitcher, or the other relief pitcher, or the other relief pitcher. So it's very very hard from what it was in the '40s, '50s, and '60s because one pitcher would pitch nine innings. There was no relief pitching. Not only that, with analytics now, hitters are more valuing walks more than singles and doubles type thing too, where they're trying to swing for home runs. So a lot of these pitchers do not want to pitch to Aaron Judge because they don't want him. So to, they don't want to be known as the guy that pitched him the ball that broke the record. And none of those teams, like Toronto or the Red Sox, because they're in the same division, want to be known as the team that allowed that home run, including the Red Sox, by the way. Mm-hmm. Red Sox especially, I would imagine, because they have nothing to play for anyway. So they're like, yeah, we're just going to walk Aaron Judge. So you sit here today, and, and I, as a Yankee fan, or even not as a Yankee fan, as a baseball fan, you want to see Aaron Judge break that record. And why? Because you always want to remember. You want to tell your kids, for the next 25, 30 years, I was sitting, I was watching that game when the great Aaron Judge broke Roger Maris's home run record. He was the first and the only before the steroid saga and that craziness in the 90s 
in the early 2000s, he was the only one that did it legitimately. Now, Aaron Judge has already said that Barry Bonds has the record. He already said that. But most experts, most writers would tell you, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, they all lied. They all cheated. So Aaron Judge is the real home run champion if he breaks Roger Maris's record. Right? You, you ask Aaron Judge, he'll he'll deny it, but that doesn't matter. So it's very frustrating because you're watching this guy go up and you're seeing all these pitchers pitch outside, pitch inside, pitch high, pitch low. And in some of these, by the way, some of the umpires, some of these calls, the strikeouts that he had against uh, the Blue Jays in the first game of this uh, this series, mm-hmm. they were balls. And he, they're calling strikeout after strike. Then Aaron Judge was chasing pitches because he didn't know where the strike zone was. Yeah, even a lot of uh, Toronto fans were complaining about how bad those umpires were that whole series, really. Uh, Snug says, Barkley is headed to the Detroit Lions where he will shatter all of Barry Sanders' records. Zeke will be sh- seething Don't with tell jealousy. tell that to the beef. Uh, Travis Prayheim, shout out to you. New fan for coming into the feed. Michael Laramore says, Yankee fans, Cohen is going to make your life miserable this winter. <laughs> Snug says, we could only hope. Uh, no one will top Nolan Ryan's 5,000 strikeouts. Uh, neither will the or- uh, Texas won't care. They will lob him some meatballs, and neither will the Orioles. And then Barry Bonds has the record. You may not like it, but how he got it. And, of course, there are endless ethics questions, but he still has the record. And speaking of the Beeve, he's on the phone. Beeve, what's going on, bud? What's up, man? How are you? We're good, man. What would you like to talk about? Well, I just heard you say that these these pitchers today in the MLB are, are all wusses. They should just pitch to judge. And who cares if they be inside, if they get home or not? What does it matter? I didn't say they're, well, wu- I didn't say they're no, wusses. I'm, say- I'm no. saying they're wusses. They're scared to pitch room for what? If you're, if you're a great pitcher, you're going to want to strike out a great hitter. That's the way it goes. Well, I agree with you, but also these pitchers don't want to be known as the guy. Why? For what? They don't want to Why? be the guy that pitches uh, Aaron Judge at 61 and at 62. The, the Verlanders of the world, the Scherzers of the world, the Pennants of the world, all those guys would go after Judge if they were on the mound. They would walk them. They would pitch well, those guys are the best of the best, man. And that's what I'm saying. So these pitchers today, why would why would you want to say hey, how many sh- how many pitchers are like Verlander and Max Scherzer? You're no, you're naming no, saying, two of the top five best pitchers in baseball. What I'm right saying now. is, if you if you want to be a great pitcher, you know what? I'm the glad to judge, and I'm going to strike them out. That's yeah, I mean, not naturally, that's what you want them to that, do. That, that's your mentality. These pitchers today are afraid to pitch. But that's the same thing in sports. I mean, in basketball, no, you, you watch the NBA. Them. I know you don't watch go the NBA. A lot of the NBA players, usually uh, a lot of these coaches, they sit out certain players in certain games because it's a doubleheader or it's back-to-back. They want to protect their players. They're they're wusses. wusses. Well, it's not only the players. It's the the coaches. It's the managers on the bench. They don't want to be... They don't want to be the team to be known as the the team that Aaron Judge broke the record with. And some managers don't care. They're gonna. There are managers that pull. How many managers pull guys since 2016 out of no hitters in perfect games? Same kind of thing. I know. Well, if I'm a pitcher, you're not taking me out. I'm sorry, I'm not coming. Out it's not the only it's the not managers' choice, unfortunately. It's not. Uh, it's well, not yeah. all, analytics department too. Yeah. I would, I would stand you at the phone with the team. I would not come off that mound. It's not only Sorry. the managers. It's, it's also the hierarchy, yeah. uh, the it's ownership. Just... Do you think – now, hold on one second, Beef, before you cut me off. 
You think right now the owner of the Blue Jays is sitting there and saying, go ahead, pitch it down the middle so Aaron Judge breaks the record. No, 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 no. no. I'm not saying he's pitching it down the middle. Pitch to him. But I, again, I think don't, I, I don't think the Yankees. I think pitch, the pitch to him. I think the Yankees want to get this over with. I think the Yankees want this record well, to be broken to me, and they can move on. It's it to me. I don't. I don't think Judge is making a big deal about the the, the, the record that Judge is going to get is the triple crown, and no one and no one has done that since on the Yankees since Mickey Mantle. Well. Right now, if the season were to end, is he? Does he win the triple I'm, crown? I'm looking that up now. I, I think I he think is. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna get the triple crown. If the season he would get the triple crown. I, I don't know what he's batting right now. I think he's three sixteen. Is that is that the the lead in the American? Three fourteen. I'm trying to see if that's the lead in the in, in, in the I league. Think, but he's been walked a lot, so it hasn't gone down a lot recently. Because it was three it was three seventeen. I think when we were doing the weekend crunch. Three sixteen. And, and, and uh, the last person to do that yep. was Bill, uh, one point Bill ahead Brown, of Arias right? right now. All right, so if the season were to end, he would win the Triple Crown. And he would be the first. And to me, that's the most impressive thing. That's so hard to do. And he's not the last last player to break, uh, to win the Triple Crown was Miguel Cabrera. Okay, it it, it was Miguel Cabrera. The last Yankee, Mickey Mantle. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's, it's a great story, I think. If you're a, if you're a sports fan, you want to see it. You want to see all the great you know records to be broken, and if they're, they're legitimately broken, I I and mean, usually, who doesn't want to see? Who doesn't want to see uh, Ovechkin break Wayne Gretzky's goal record? Everybody wants to see it, and, and 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 trust me, that's why Ovechkin is still in the NHL. I he could retire tomorrow. He's a Hall of Fame. He's the greatest. He's the greatest goal scorer of our era. Maybe. Uh, the greatest goal scorer in the last 15, 20 years. So I, he wants to break Wayne Gretzky's record. I think Wayne Gretzky wants to see Ovechkin break his record, even though you, you, you're you a competitive guy, and nobody thought that record was going to be broken because uh, now with hockey the way it is and the speed of the game and uh, these players, are, you know, the, the injuries that they get now, it's, it's the, if you watch the NHL in the – the 70s and the 80s, these players are playing with broken eye sockets, broken toes. Um, and, and, I'm, and that's why the game was so much better back then. The players were, were tougher. I think the best time players. of I think the best time of hockey was in the 90s. That's just me. I thought the best time. I thought some of the best players that we remember were in the 90s. But uh, we're not talking about hockey. I'm talking about records. And I I think that everybody wants to be the person that sits down with their kids 20, 30 years from now and says. And says, I I saw the great Aaron Judge break the home run record by Roger Maris and get a triple crown and win a World Series in the same year. Yeah, that would top it all off, sure. He's definitely going to get the triple crown, and I think once... Once this, this home run thing, I don't know. Definitely, it's only one one hundredth no point definite. ahead. And like I said on the weekend crunch, he's trying for that home run record, so he might still try to pull I the ball think, a lot. I, first of all, I just want you guys to know something. I think he cares more about winning, and I think he cares more about the batting average than he does with the home run record. He is, yes, he I, is, I, I agree with that. He yeah. has come out and said that it, the batting average means more to him than hitting home runs. And you don't see power hitters hit for average. That's right. And that, that's why that's, that's why he's special. That's why, as well, it might be tricky because the one he, that just 
he's trailing or one that's he's just ahead of by a hundred point a hundredth of a point is Arias, who's not a home run hitter. He only has eight home runs this year, so he's going to be playing for that batting title while Judge is trying to p- play for everything. He might it might happen for Judge. He's going to be able to get it. But the good thing with it is the walks have not driven down his batting average that much, but the strikeouts still will uh, just yeah, enough. He's still he's still hitting base hits also doubles. He's still hitting the ball. If they're pitching to him, if, yeah, that's the key though. They yeah, haven't been doing that as much. In he's this chasing. He's chasing to Correct. swing at that ball. You. Yeah, we, we, when we were at Miller's Ale House, they were pitching. They weren't pitching in a strike zone, and because they they were calling strikes on the outside and, and low, and so he's swinging at balls that are not strikes because he's chasing now because he wants to break that record. He wants to hit that home run and get it over with. It's frustrating when you when you're trying to do something that nobody has done, and I'm going to say nobody has done because Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa all did steroids and. To everybody, that's cheating. Not me, because I think steroids should be allowed in in professional sports except except combat sports. And I've said that many, many times. But it is illegal. So if it's illegal, Barry Bonds' home runs, uh, Sammy Sosa, and Mark McGuire, that should not exist. So to me, the home run record is still Roger Maris. So if he breaks and he ties Roger Maris, he's the first player legitimately to to tie and break Roger Maris's record, and he is the home run king. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. I don't. He doesn't agree with it. He don't agree with it. He says Barry Bonds. I know, but he's gonna he's gonna say that. All right, we gotta go to break soon. I'll just read some of the other comments. Snook says, "Well, MLB umps have been questionable this year. At least uh, Michael Laramore says put put an asterisk next to that record." Uh, Snook says, "Hashtag ban the beef." Uh, Boone wants to rest Judge before the playoffs, but he had a ton of pressure the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, CJ is not out there at the moment, but we'll see, Michael, if he's in the comment section. Snug says, as much as it pains me to admit, a triple crown in baseball is very special, even yes. if it's a smelly Yankee. I, I don't know. I love these gangster <laughs> hockey goalies that used to roll around and play with no masks. And Judge cares more about the enormous contract he will sign this offseason. I would, too. And he and, and by the way, Justin Towers is completely wrong. I love you, Justin. Josh I'm sorry, Josh. Uh, Josh, I said Justin. I'm sorry. Jo- Josh Towers was completely wrong because if if Judge breaks those records, he is going to make over 300 million. He is going to get that. So he says that the Yankees gave him a, a, a nice contract. There is no way the San Francisco Giants are not going to pay him more than that being that he's the triple crown winner, home run champion, and and maybe takes his team all the way to the World Series and wins. So he's going to yeah, win himself he, a lot of money in the offseason. The Yankees are not letting him go. Not, not I don't think go. so either. And I, I think that if it's not the Yankees, it will be the Mets. I, I think one of those teams will pay him. The Mets have a really high payroll on Cohen. Cohen doesn't care. Cohen doesn't care. Uh, he said he wants to keep it on the three, what, 300 million? 300 million he doesn't right? care. If, well, if, and I'm telling you right now, if, if he becomes, if Aaron Judge becomes available and the Yankees are not willing to give him that $300 million, I, I would put my money on it that Steve Cohen will be uh, ready to go on, on offering him a $300 million contract. Why not bring well, They're going to sign Diaz. They're going to sign DeGrom. They're not going to have enough money to sign all these players. DeGrom is not re-signing with them. A lot of experts have said that DeGrom is not re-signing with the Mets. He doesn't want to be there anymore, and he's going to want Max Scherzer money, and I don't think the Mets are willing to give him that. 
So I, a lot of people believe he's heading out, uh, that he, he might go to the Braves. He wants to go. He wants to get out of New York. That's what a lot of experts believe. Now, I don't know if that's true. We'll see what happens in the offseason. But I don't know if Steve Cohen's willing to give him that extension. He wants five years. And I don't know if the Mets are going to give him five years. They gave Scherzer two with a third-year option. I don't see that, that they might offer to Jacob DeGrom for $50 million, But I don't know if he'll take it. I think he wants to... He's 31 years old. And I think he wants to make sure that he is he's in position to get that five or six years where it protects him. For five, five years, 30, They're not going to do that. Not with the injuries that he's had over the years. There's no way. Anyways, Beef, uh, we'll talk to you, bud. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We talk got a Ranger later. guy on next, so you definitely you definitely got to listen to this. I will. I'll listen to him. <laughs> oh, I can't. I'll listen to him talking about how they're going to go to the Stanley Cup this year. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 I can't wait for this. I, I've been waiting <laughs> to get Anthony on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. All right, man. We'll talk to you. Oh, <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> this is going to be real fun. When we come back, we will be talking to four, uh, owner of Forever Blue Shirts and Daily Goldhorn, Anthony Scaltore. Uh, we haven't had him on for a little while. Uh, the last time we spoke, we had some heated arguments. And, and I, I love Anthony because he knows his stuff. And uh, I'm an Islander guy. He's a Ranger guy. And uh He had his own thoughts about the Islanders last time we spoke, and I had my thoughts about the Rangers. So it's been, what, a year? Yep, and the tides have turned. The tides have turned, so it'll be an interesting conversation going into the new season, which is about a week away, which is crazy. It really is. So when we come back, Forever Blue Shirts owner and man of the year, Anthony Scaltari, here. On the Sports Lamas. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, you're listening to the Sports Loudmouth. 631 672 3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. <laughs> Download our app on iOS uh, by searching us at WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The Beav, uh, our first guest of the show or caller of the show, and this is our first guest. And uh, interesting personality, as always. Love him. Uh, haven't spoke to him in a while. And Speedy told me, oh, you, you're definitely going to look forward to uh, – Wednesday's show when we have Mr. Anthony Scaltare. Uh, we are now talking to owner of Forever Blue Shirts and Daily Goldhorn, Anthony Scaltore. Mr. Anthony, what's going on, bud? How are you guys? Nice to talk to you. Absolutely. And, you know, Speedy, over the last couple of months, I, I asked him, I was like, when are we going to get that Ranger guy on? And he says, oh, Anthony. I say, that's right, Anthony, because I, I'm sure he had – so much excitement last year going into the playoffs, having the season that they had. Uh, I mean, their young goaltender in Shostorkin, who, uh, who's played uh, Shostorkin, who's played very, very well. Uh, he, he was by this was the best goaltending season we've seen it really in the last five years. And and a lot of Ranger fans say, oh, he's better than Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, he's going to take us to the championship. We're, we're going to win our first championship since 1994. 
Before we get into Sturkin and his season and, and all the other Ranger factors in the offseason, how are you? How are you, you and your family doing since COVID? We're, we're good. We're good. Uh, thanks for asking. Uh, like everybody else, we made the best of it. And we, you know, trying to have a positive attitude. Uh, so things are good. I think, you know, also take a second for everyone uh, that's in the storm's path, the hurricane, just absolutely wishing everyone well in prayers because I've, I've seen some videos coming out of Florida right now and it's pretty, pretty stunning. Horrible. Being in the New York area. Yeah. You know, Sandy was, was something to to live through, but in comparison, just look at what's going on down there. It's amazing. So prayers to everyone uh, there. How are you guys doing? You guys look well. Mm, I know yes. it's been a year since we spoke. That's right. Um, I heard a little bit of the intro. I heard, <laughs> you know, that you, you kind of set it, set me up. Yes. You're an Islander guy. You're probably my favorite. Islander. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Right, I feel so it's one of the few you like. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I I've grown to, I've grown to love them all. So, okay. um, the, the truth is, I think when we last spoke, mm -hmm. I know you were riding really high. Yes. Things were feeling really yes. good. And in a very, very short time, you found out that the Islanders aren't who really who they, who they hold, are. Hold, hold on one second. Uh, hold I, on one I, second. I feel bad. Hold on one second. Hold on. <laughs> last year, in the beginning of the season, they traveled 11,000 miles in the first month. They didn't yeah, have. I mean, 13 road games to start is a really. It's horrible. Really it's brutal. And then, then they had COVID. The, then COVID. They had nine nine starters yep. out for two weeks. They were playing guys we never even heard of. I mean, right. and they went on that eleven or twelve game losing streak, and that pretty much cost them the playoffs. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, listen, the Islanders got a, a raw deal, um, and then you. I I still would love the inside scoop on this, but you firing Barry Trotz is absolutely horrendous of a move i i'm sorry i don't know what was the real reason behind it i don't know what barry trotz was looking for i think lane lambert is a nice transition mm -hmm. which won't be disruptive but the truth is when you look at the islanders they went through two seasons where they got to the conference finals and couldn't get past the tampa bay lightning playing that smash mouth you know team defense that is really hard to do for a long period of time. Ask any John Tortorella team that's been any good, and it just grinds you to bone. Uh, I don't think that you know that was necessarily what what caused them to miss the playoffs. But going forward, they they just don't have enough offense, and I think it's going to become even more evident with the way the Metro Division has improved all around. Mm. Like the as the island, the, the difficult thing for the Islanders is they they, they did nothing this offseason except except for take a downgrade in coaching. They really did nothing. I think you know we could talk about Romanoff, and I think he's a nice addition to the to a ver an already good defense. But who's Matt Barzell playing with? Mm. I mean, I love Anders Lee, but who's Matt Barzell playing with? Which is true. And I, I, and I I also sit back and uh, we've watched two preseason games and they've scored uh, the amount of two goals and but it's also you're playing guys Barzell yeah. played a couple of shifts so I and we haven't seen a lot of these lines really de develop and what we see the, the, that these lines are going to be playing under Lambert and I agree with you they didn't really do anything Romanoff I think is a nice piece I think now now put him together with Dobson you have your future number one. Line defense, defensive yeah. pairing, pairing, absolutely. The problem here is, is the offense, and I agree with you. What Lou did in the offseason, firing Barry Trotz, only time will tell. Maybe Lou writes a story. Maybe Barry Trotz writes a book in a couple of years, and maybe we find the real truth out. 
Um, I like Lambert. I, I want to see what Lambert could do as a head coach. We still don't know who he is behind the bench as far as – because we've seen who took over for Barry Trotz over there in Washington. It didn't work out over there. So sure. uh, Lambert is a guy that a lot of people, a lot of experts have said they really, really like this this hire. Uh, he's not going to change anything because he's Barry uh, Trotz's disciple. So we'll see how it works out. And, yes, they're not going to score a lot of goals this year. It's going to be – rested on Sorokin and his development and this defense. And I agree with you. In the NHL now, smash-mouth defenses are not like what it was in the 90s with the uh, with the Florida Panthers when they played the trap Roger Nielsen and then the the New Jersey Devils when they played with Lou Lamorello and 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 Robinson as the head coach and what they like to you know they like to play with Jock Lemaire. It's not the same thing. It's a different game. It's an offensive speed game. But going going into the offseason, the Islanders didn't make the offensive moves that Islander fans wanted. That doesn't mean that some of the players that they have, they have some guys, it, that young players, that could really take it to the next level this year. Wallstrom sure. is a good young player. I, I mean, I, I like Kiefer Bellows. I don't know if he's a part of their future, but I like him. I, I like um, Ronti, I think he's going to be a fantastic player. A lot of experts believe that the Islanders stole him. Uh, a lot of people thought he should have been a first-round draft pick. He fell into the second round. And uh, they have some good guys. I, but the Rangers, I, I think the Rangers lost some pieces in the offseason uh, that a lot of Ranger fans didn't like. They added a piece, a face-off guy that could win face-offs. He's gritty. He could. He scored 20-some-odd goals last year. A lot of Ranger fans are sitting here, and they think that because of what they did last year, it's going to get them to that next level, maybe the Stanley Cup Finals, after going and getting burnt in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were just better than they were. But I don't know about that. I think, I think they, they were. I think I they think, were. I think you could. Get, they were more experienced, and I think you can give them credit. I think they, they were better. But it was like, when you say better, the way you're saying better was like infinitely better. And the truth of the matter is. No, it is. I, 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 I didn't say that. 20, I didn't say they that. They played 20 games in 40 nights. Mm-hmm. That was every other night of playoff hockey. What I think a young Rangers team learned is that you cannot go to seven round. You can't go seven in the first two rounds. You just cannot survive. A, you can't survive playoffs that way. You need to find that killer instinct that championship championship teams have the Colorado Avalanche for all the failures before went on a 16 and four run. They didn't play any games. They didn't let anybody off the hook. They annihilated everyone in their path. I think the St. Louis blues gave them the biggest scare Mm -hmm. to be honest. In the end, the blues really gave them the the scare. I think the lightning just kind of hung in there, but the blues might've had the best chance to beat them. Nobody else even came close. And I mean, the Avs are who they are. They, that their path is very similar to like the Rangers' path because the Rangers, their young guys are starting to fill in those gaps that you were talking about. You know, A- Andrew Kopp gone, Frank Vitrano, nice player, mm-hmm. gone, but replaceable. Kopp would be a little harder to replace. Strom was the place was the piece that was hardest to replace, and they did with Vincent Trocheck. And I think Trocheck is is a better playoff player. Uh, certainly impo- difficult to play against, and that's what you need in the playoffs. You know, will he have chemistry with Panarin? That's the question everyone's asking. Who's going to be the right wing on that line? I think it should be Kako, right? I don't think it should be Kratzoff. And if anybody's watched these two preseason games, you can tell Kratzoff is 
is not being playing in the NHL, not playing in the AHL and being in the KHL last two season, he really, he needs to play on that third line and just start getting comfortable with the NHL game before you start throwing him on a line with Panarin to be, to be perfectly frank. And I think Lafreniere is going to go on that first line with Kreider and Zibanejad. So you look at the Rangers, Lafreniere scored 20 goals almost last year, 19 mm-hmm. in his sophomore season. If he's playing top line minutes, he should be able to get 30. I mean, just think about it. He scored 19 playing primarily third line, no power play. Guy had one power play assist, I believe. That's that's saying something. He is a first overall pick for a reason. So when you look at the Rangers, yes, you want I'm not going to scream that they're going to they're going to win the cup. I think that's ridiculous. Do they have the pieces? What needs to fall into place? I think they looking at the Eastern Conference, I think they actually have a great chance to be the team that goes to the to the Stanley Cup Finals to face probably the Colorado Avalanche again because the Avalanche looked pretty darn good again. They 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 are fully stacked. You know, I don't know about their goaltending, that suspect, but I didn't have any faith in Darcy Kemper and he won a cup. If that, if that Stanley Cup does happen, Al, Alexander Georgiev versus the Rangers will be an interesting story. And before, <laughs> and before everybody says I, that, I, before anybody says, I would God, I wouldn't put. Georgiev as the as the starter. No, I don't think so either. I'm just thinking that'd be a funny headline. We'll we'll have a say in the matter. But no, I agree with Georgiev is in the mix. I just want to apologize to everybody. Uh, I I was looking at Hank Greenberg. It was the 30s and 40s he played, not the 40s and 50s. And uh, he he hit the 50 at home runs in 1938. So uh, I'm I want to apologize to everybody. Just, I'm sorry. So you actually uh, you explained the kid line very well. I was asked about that, but you said of uh, Lafreniere and Kako guys like that. So how about the defense, the young defensive players? We saw Nils Lundqvist just get traded last week to Dallas. They got a first yeah, round pick. Yeah, he had for no him. spot. Yeah, I mean, so he had no spot here. So Zach Jones, Braden Schneider, that seems like to be to be the path. You Braden Schneider obviously That's, played all last year. Is that the path they're going yeah. to? And what do you think their ceiling is? So when I look at the Rangers defense. I, I, I'm looking at the Rangers defense as possibly one of the best in the league. I know that people are, you know, I on the fans will immediately go crazy, but Adam Fox is a Norris trophy winner. Oh, he's, a, he's probably Adam Fox is probably one of the top. Fantastic. Five. I think Ryan Lindgren is a great partner for a guy like Adam Fox. Maybe Ryan Lindgren on another team wouldn't be as special, but he his chemistry with Fox you know, his, he's got that, you know, you, you mentioned the 90s, right? I heard you before saying that 90s is probably the goal. Absolutely. Era. Absolutely. And, I, and honestly, I agree with you wholeheartedly mm-hmm. being a you know kid from the 90s myself. Yep. If I, I could start rattling off, every team had somebody who I think could have been in the Hall of Fame. I, I can know, agree It's, not, with it's you. not even a comparison. Yes. But with that being said, Rangers 90s, Leach and Bukaboom. Bukaboom's a solid defenseman. Mm-hmm. You put him on, you put him with somebody else. He's not, maybe he's not. Bukaboom, as everyone knows him. Right. But he was the perfect match for Leach and allowed Leach to be who he was. So I, I look at that symbiotic relationship and say, yes, those two are a great defensive pair. I look at Jacob Truba and Keandre Miller, and Truba is a hard-hitting, hard-nosed defenseman. Does he make some mistakes? Sure. But he's still a veteran leader, and he played a big role for the Rangers last year. But the, but the key, no pun intended, is Keandre Miller, who – has all the all the tool sets for being one of the best defensemen in the league himself. He's got a great shot, incredible speed. 
He, all that was lacking for me was like just the hockey IQ of knowing when to jump and when to step back. And he seems to be getting that. And once he puts all these pieces together, he's going to be right up there in the conversations for the Norris Trophy. I wouldn't say like top three, but at least somebody might say, you know, that kid is pretty good. We should probably talk about him. When you come to the third pair of defense, Braden Schneider is a first is a first round pick for a reason. He's like a young Jacob Truba who's a little bit faster, makes a better outlet pass. I want to see more offense. I want to see him step up and be a little bit more physical. And Zach Jones is a leading candidate because Zach Jones has an extremely high hockey IQ. And he has to because he's he's one of the smaller, smaller defensemen. Quick moving with the puck. He's got it. He can't play out of his comfort zone. He needs to be who he is. And plus, he's probably going to make it because this is the last year of his of his entry level contract. He's 21 years old. Rangers need to know what they have before they actually, you know, move him or trade him. Right. Otherwise, you you're kind of wasting an asset because he's kind of highly regarded. Uh, so I think those are your six defensemen, and Libor Hayek is going to be your seventh defenseman uh, when this all shakes out. We are talking to form uh, the owner of Forever Blue Shirts and Daily Goldhorn. Anthony is called Terry. Now, I, I would say that the Rangers have a good young bunch of pairing defensemen. Okay, I, I would agree with you, and I think Adam Fox is is a fantastic player, but he's also playing with great offensive players, and that's why he's Ooh. up for the Norris Trophy every single year because he's playing with top young or top good offensive players. I mean... Sounds like Islanders envy. No. <laughs> I, 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 I'm saying this, but the, the Islanders have like Noah Dobson. He had 50 points last year. but He's awesome. He, he's I, a great young player, but we don't know how great he could be because they don't have the offensive firepower that Adam Fox has where you could say, oh my God, this guy could be one of the best offensive defensemen in the NHL. Maybe. Maybe the Islanders should be spending millions and millions of dollars on fourth line players like Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck and Matt. Well, I, I I think the Casey's... I mean I'm only being honest. They're a great fourth line, a great idea. Well, hold on one second, Kyle Clutterbuck. Paid for it. They re-signed Cl- Clutterbuck for like one million dollars. He's not making a lot of money, uh, and and Casey Sezikis is making three and a half. And I like Casey Sezikis. The Rangers wanted to sign him. Uh, the I agree. I, I like him too. He's not a very. I think he's a great player and he's a great leader. But I think with the Islanders is in the offseason, there was just not many offensive players that were out there. And then the players that they were interested, they struck out on, uh, obviously, because they wanted an extra year. And you, everybody knows Lou Lamorello does not like to dig into a pocket after four years. These guys wanted five, six-year contracts. Lou wasn't going that way. I hear you. He wasn't. He did it with his defensemen because he knew Pelic and Pulak were their future. That those those two guys are the arguably the two best uh, defensive pairings in the NHL. So you, 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 you pay, and they didn't even, they didn't overpay those guys. They really didn't. And I think they were good contracts by the Islanders. So I, I understand why Islander fans are sitting here today and they're saying they didn't do anything. Okay, but again. Maybe they didn't need to do as much as everybody thought that they needed to. Last year, they were fighting so many injuries. They weren't. And Brock Nelson, I'm not a big Brock fan. Everybody knows that. I don't. I actually can't stand the guy. But he's a good player. He's one of the more underrated centers in the NHL. He scored, I think, 35 goals yeah, last year. Yeah, he had a very good yeah, season. I think Brock Nelson is solid. I, I, I'm not a big fan of his. But everybody, you know, everybody respects what he did last year under Barry Trotz. We'll see what he does this year under Lambert. So I, I understand why Islander fans are upset that they, they couldn't find Barzell a, a line mate. 
how who's to say there's not a line man a line mate on that roster that can be the future with Barzell. So I, I don't know. And I, I, I know everybody's trying to compare the ranges. There, there is nothing right now to compare. We have to see how the season starts. And, and really, it's all about the goaltending. It really is. Sturkin, the reason why the Rangers were as good as they were last year is Sturkin was dancing on his head throughout the season. One time with that one. Just call him Shesty. Whatever. <laughs> I, 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 whatever his name is. Sturkin. Just call him Shesty before you mispronounce it 20 times Shesterkin. this season. What, is, am I right? No, it's, it's definitely – he's trying to say it really fast often. Shesterkin, right? Am I right? So, yeah. you, you should have seen it last year because the Allenders have Sorokin. He was saying yeah. Shesterkin for a while. Yeah. Combining both things. Yeah, and, 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 and the, the same thing. Ever. Yeah, the same thing. <laughs> the same thing with the uh, the Islanders with Sorokin. I mean, everybody expects that these two goaltenders are the future of this organ their organizations, and that's I why agree. Lou believes that they didn't have to go out and spend the money for an offensive player if their defense and their goaltending is at the top of the league. They can compete. I don't know, I so, don't know if Lou thought that, but like Lou. No, Lou to wanted to. We know what Lou wanted. Time. We we like, all you know, know what Lou went after a couple of people and missed on on almost all. Of them. I was very happy they didn't get Kadri. Okay. I mean, I listen. Kadri's a center, so it wasn't really going to help Barzell. No, I, I so, didn't. I mean, it would have helped Barzell on the power play because you yes. could put them both on the first unit. Yes. So you could have gotten more points. You still needed a winger for for Barzell. And if you, could, you, you couldn't land. One, if right? they bought if they bought Kadri in, it means they probably would have had to. Um, they would have J uh, JP JP Pajot Anthony Bolivier yes they were talking about trading Pajot which I think was a bad move for the Islanders because the guy is a great center he he wins a lot of faceoffs and you need that in the playoffs so losing a a particular center that good uh, it makes no sense so I was very happy they didn't get Kadri the what I was really upset about with the Islanders is the going into the offseason, I liked I liked a couple of players in in trade talks with the Islanders. One uh, from the St. Louis Blues, Speedy, you know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Tarasenko. Tarasenko, who is still, you know, dangled. He's yeah. still dangling out there. And maybe uh, he has one more year left on his contract. Maybe they trade him at the trade deadline. If the Islanders are a playoff team, I wouldn't be surprised if the Islanders get Tarasenko. But... To me, I don't want to overpay players because it hurts your cap. Look at the year. Look at the things that uh, over the last couple of years before Lamorello, what we saw. Andrew Ladd, that screwed the Islanders. Boychuk screwed the Islanders when it comes to contracts. It doesn't make sense. You're not going to overpay players of that magnitude with an age of 30 or higher that kind of money. There are always teams out there you could salary dump to that will use their cap to get high draft picks. Mm-hmm. The Chicago Blackhawks are sitting here going, hey, they're still telling people, we'll, we'll take a bad contract. We're good. We'll take one and, and we'll take another first round pick because they're in the middle of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. So there are teams that will weaponize the cap. So you you can dump if you need to. For the for the love of God, I mean, the Rangers got rid of, and even though it was not a big cap hit, the Rangers got rid of Patrick Nemeth, mm-hmm. attached God. a second round pick to him and got $2.5 million off the books and everything counts. So like, listen, Good teams, good general managers know how to work the cap. You can just look, go to Julian Brisebois in Tampa Bay, and that's a fine example. Year after year, they're up against the cap, and they're able to find ways to be competitive. See, so or, you or, you you be the, or you could just be the Coyotes that take three retired players to get to uh, the Coyotes. Picks. Yeah, the Coyotes are a mess. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with them. You know, it's like, it's like Gary Bettman. They want to lose. Know, 
pet project is like, I, I refuse to move them to Quebec. I just won't do it. Right. It's just like, it, it is what it is. They, they're going to have a new stadium built in three years. So hopefully that new arena brings new life and they could do. Something. Everybody wants it's- that number one pick this year. Everybody and their yeah. mother wants this number one pick because this kid is the next Connor McDavid. They think that this kid is going to be the best player uh, in, in the last 10 years. They think that he's better than Connor McDavid. I listen, I've seen some of the highlights reels on Bedard. He's, he's pretty fantastic. Yes. So, so there's, 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 there's no doubt. He's but, the shortest but, thing that we've seen in a long time. Right. But again, a lot of people were saying that about Shane Wright mm-hmm. and then he wound up going forward. But it, it is a long year. I think you're a hundred percent correct. Bedard is going to be the number one pick mm-hmm. and whoever, whoever's lucky to pull that lottery, you know, pick out good for them. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I want the Islanders to do that. I just don't want to see a losing season to do it. No, nope, They got to take, <laughs> uh, yeah. you got to pick one. You got to take, or you got to go for Bedard. I, here, here's, here's what I'm going to tell you. You're not going to be happy about yeah, it. But I yeah. think the Islanders are a lottery team this year. I just don't think they're a I disagree. top 10 lottery team to move up enough to get that number one pick. They, I think they're one of those teams that probably just misses out. I think when you look at the Metro division, like I told you before, We'll Metro go through division it. Division is stacked. It's not we'll go through an it. easy division, and to me, your your first and second place is going to be decided once again between the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Disagree. I think the Rangers take it this time around, and it'll be close. I think third place is is going to be fought between the Capitals and the Penguins, and I think the Islanders might find themselves in a battle with a very good and upcoming Columbus Blue Jackets team that now has Johnny Gaudreau on it, and I think that could be something to keep an eye on. And the reason why I say that is simply because the Islanders don't have enough offense. And you really need – Sorokin will have to be outstanding and steal some games two to one in order for you to be in the playoff mix. That's how how I'm seeing it. Now, could the the Islanders to me are are 90-plus point team. I think they're they're still going to be – Right up there. Um, do do the Capitals or the Penguins falter? I have a hard time seeing the Penguins falter because the Penguins decided we're going to go. We're going to basically destroy any chance of us being competitive in about three years when Crosby retires because we just gave, we just took on Jeff Petrie's contract and his age. We just gave Malkin a bunch of money. We just gave Latang a, a bunch of money. These guys are going to be forty years old by the time their contracts expire, and they're already in, they're already getting close to forty as it is. It's the Penguins really have decided to go all in on winning a cup either this year or next because they know after that Crosby's probably retiring because he even said it. He's going to when his contract is up in three years, he'll evaluate if he wants to continue playing. Then they'll have to figure out how do they dump Malkin's contract or buy it out or Latang can they salary dump him at some point? I have no idea what the Penguins are going to do, but at least for this year, they're in the mix for the playoffs. They're uh, loaded and in the mix. By the way, just so everybody knows, we are talking to owner uh, of Forever Blue Shirts and Daily Goal Horn, Anthony's called Terry. Before we let you go, I just want to I want to go over what you said. You, you think the Rangers? are the top two teams in the Metropolitan Division. I disagree with you. I I, I think the Hurricanes are by far the best team in this Metropolitan Division. Um, I think this year you're going to see this, and I'm doing what you did about a year and a half ago. 
I think the Philadelphia Flyers, as oh. bad as the season they had last year, they're going to have a better season this year. I like some of the young players. They have one of the best farm systems in hockey. Uh, I think their young goaltender, Hart, didn't have a, a good season last year. I think he's going to have a better season this year. I, I know they made a, a terrible trade, um, a terrible trade at the trade deadline, which kind of threw me off on why they did it. Uh, but I, I think I, I think they're an up-and-coming team. I like what the Devils did in the offseason. I really do. I, I like some of the young players, some of the veteran players that they brought in. I don't think they're a playoff team, but I like what they did. I think the Penguins are washed up. I don't I don't even know if they're making the playoffs. I really don't. I'm not a big fan of theirs. And I, their goaltending stinks, okay? They're hard. I, I, listen, their goaltending. By the way, is- great signing by the Rangers, Deming. Wonderful. <laughs> He'll Wonderful. Be in <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing. I, I mean, Casey DeSmith and both and, and Tristan Jarry got lit up by the Red Wings in yeah. Like it was bad. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I mean, you guys are getting lit up by the Red Wings in exhibition already. Yeah. It didn't, they, their goaltending doesn't look good. It's exhibition. We're not going to put too much stock in exhibition. And the Capitals, they're old too. They're another old I, team. I agree. Yeah. I, 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 we're all every year we're waiting for the Penguins and the Capitals to falter and they still stick around. Yeah. That's the problem. I thought the same thing yeah. last year. Honestly, too, yeah. honestly, I, I did think so too. And there they were battling out and the Caps mm. finished third. The Penguins finished third and the Caps made the playoffs. I, I think the Hurricanes are by far. It's it, a lot of people like what I the Blue like Jackets. I like, I like what the Blue Jackets did this offseason. I'm still questioning certain things about this team. They got good goaltending. I like their goaltending. Their defense. I don't know. I, last year in the second half of the season, their defense completely fell apart. So I, mm-hmm. I am not How healthy. Will Wierenski be? So I, I'm not a. I, I don't know what the Blue Jackets defense. So you look at the Rangers. You look at the Islanders. You look at the Devils. You look at the Flyers. These are all four teams that are going to. Now the Rangers offensively has more talent than all of them. They do offensively. Defensively, I think you're blowing their defense up a little too much. I, I think they had a very good season last year defensively, they're not a good team defensive team. We saw that in the playoffs. Rangers are not. They're not. Listen, you can't not. Team they have single players that are good. Eastern Conference Final, not a, not a good defense team. Who's the After captain of the team the for the Rangers? Truba. They beat the Hurricanes, the team that you're 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 lauding. They beat the Hurricanes. Who's the captain? The Mr. Scalteri. Who is the captain of the Rangers now? Jacob Truba. Oh, wonderful. Perfect pick for the New York Rangers. Oh, here's another. another, (laughs) Why would you pick Jacob Truba Truba as your captain? Okay. Is the beef going to call the vent about that again? Kreider should have Kreider should been the pick to be their captain. Truba okay. was supposed to be the captain last year. They I, were supposed to name him. Everything was all the all the insider information horrible. was supposed to be that he was going to be named. And Gallant came in. I don't know what conversations took place, but I think he wanted to have a season under him before he made a final decision because the Rangers did have some candidates. Kreider is a banajad or two names you could easily put up top as being possible candidates. And plus, on honestly, with Truba's contract. There would might have been some consideration. Are, are we going to eventually move on from him sooner rather they than should. later? <laughs> but after last year, I mean, when you talk about a captain, you talk about it's not just about what they do on the ice. It's what they do off. And apparently when it comes to all that off ice, keeping the team together, setting up those things like when Adam Fox won the Norse, he set up the party. I know these things sound trivial, know, but this is what the captains are doing to keep it. the team together, right? You want to have that locker room com- camaraderie and that family feeling. and 
all in all, once he was named captain, you had Kreider say he was a great choice. Now, everyone's going to say, well, of course these guys are going to say that. What are they going to say? Terrible pick. But it seemed like they were genuine in saying that. And Ryan Strom, who left the team. Oh, God, please. Right. He he made, he made was on a couple – he did a couple of interviews, mm. right? He was on a couple of, of, of shows. Uh, one of them was like the Cam and Strick podcast. That I, I, I checked that right? out, yes. Right, and he was talking about you know Truba and how Truba turned the series around. Not just because he hit, he was the one that made the contact with Crosby, but he was the one going into Game Five, you know, with the rah-rah speech to say this is what we're going to do and we're going to win this series. Mm. So that's the guy who decided to speak up. It wasn't Mika, it wasn't Kreider, and that's why he got named captain. Will he be here all for the remaining years of his contract? Let me t- let me just tell you this, just for fun, because I have a website and that's what I do. I love it. When I, I wrote an article on foreverblueshirts.com and I was like, you know what? Let me look at all the Rangers captains. Let me tally up all the years they were captain. What's the average? No, it's like three seasons. Yeah. It's like, can you make it three seasons? Is it was really for a Rangers captain? You have Messier who was captain for ten years, but mm-hmm. he it was split between two stints, right? So literally, like. Okay, being captain of the Rangers doesn't necessarily doesn't mean no. you're gonna be in the distance. I mean, they traded the last two. Yes, they traded Callahan and McDonough. Yes, I, 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 I like so, both of those guys. I like both of those guys. So, I wish the right. Islanders brought in Callahan. I, you know, whenever he became available, uh, they weren't I, really contending. No, but I, I, I like Ryan Callahan, and I, even though with the concussion problems that he had, I like Ryan, and I also like uh, McDonough, who actually where did he go in the offseason? season? Yeah, Predators. Uh, yeah. Where did he go? Predators. Uh, okay. Salary so, dump. Uh, Complete salary I, which I think it was a terrible, players. terrible move by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I think they're they had no it. choice. This is what happens when you're a contending team and you're up against the cap. You've got to make these hard decisions. And they mm. saved over $4 million by basically dumping him for picks. And they did it to try and keep some other guys around. We really appreciate you joining us. And I, I definitely want to get you on as a season. We're not going to wait a year. Let's let's get you on before the season's end, middle of the season. And we'll see where your sure. Rangers are at. Because yeah. you, you actually think that the, <laughs> the Islanders are a lottery team, which I think is very funny. I, 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 I like that you're laughing at me. I think it's funny. I, I guess you can play back, play back the tape when I said that the Islanders were one of the top two teams last year. Hmm. I, I remember you oh. said that, but I also oh, remember I the year before when you said the Islanders are not a playoff team and they're a lottery team, and they weren't. They were one of the better teams in the NHL. So I I, I, I can't wait. I think uh, you also said Philadelphia was <laughs> they were going to win the division. They were going to win the division. That was at the start of the short season, the fifty six game season. Uh, wait, yeah. Give me a hold on. Now we're going I back two you. seasons. Anthony, I love messing around with you. Okay, I I love it. And I, I by the way, I, I think, love. I, I can believe I said. The Flyers are going to stink last year. Yeah, yeah, last year you did. No, no, last well, year. Well, maybe yeah. I have the years. You know, no, no, no. He, at the start of the short season. But I, I will say, th- I will say this. I, I love your writing. I love what you do, uh, not only for New York sports and, and what you do for the Ranger fans, what you do for hockey. It, it, it's it's definitely credible and and who you are and, and very well respected, not only around the NHL nation. But for Ranger Nation, you're one of the faces of their stories and their and their great, you know, writing. So uh, I, I wish you nothing but the best, as always. And uh, you're a friend of the show, and I am a fan of yours, even though I disagree with you cold-heartedly on some of the things that you said. Same to you. <laughs> I love you. I love you, I Anthony. It. I do. I love you. I, I appreciate it, and I'll yeah. be happy to come on when you guys want me. Anytime, man. We, would, we I'll have Speedy get you on in the middle of the season because right, I definitely right. want to argue some hockey with you. Awesome. 
Anthony Scaltare, as everybody knows, the owner of Forever Blue Shirts and Daily Goldhorn, his uh, podcast. Uh, it's a interesting man. He is an interesting man, funny man, and uh, he knows his stuff. Anything with hockey, he knows his stuff. And if you have any Ranger doubts or any questions about where the Rangers are going throughout the season, go check out Forever Blue Shirts. It's a great, great website if you're a Ranger fan. And if you're not a Ranger fan, it's still great to look at and and argue with him as well. <laughs> and if you're an Islander fan, he'll argue back at you. <laughs> That's true, too. Uh, when we Thanks. come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to Roto-Wire assistant baseball editor James Anderson here on the Sports Loud Mouth. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, you're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, which is Apple. Search us at WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Anthony Scoltore, ladies and gentlemen. Love the guy. I uh, definitely do. And if you haven't checked out Forever Blue Shirts, well then, Ranger fans, you better jump on it because his stories are as good as any Ranger story you have checked out all over social media. But... We have a new guest, a baseball guy, a baseball editor, writer, and the man for Rotowire, and I would like to introduce him. We are now talking to Rotowire assistant baseball editor James Anderson. James, what's going on, bud? Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You heard the craziness uh, of some hockey conversation. So why don't we get into baseball? Before we do that, how are you and your family doing from the whole COVID situation? Oh, we're, uh, we're thankfully very fine. Uh, really haven't been affected by it that much at all here. Um, so thankful for that, but, uh, appreciate you asking. I hope, I hope you guys are doing okay as well. Where are you located by the way? Uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, uh, that means you're a Badger fan. Errol's going to love that. I'm I'm not actually. Oh, you're not. Uh, All right. I went to uh, I went to University of Minnesota. Oh, so. there you go. So you're bitter rivals. There you go. I, I, Wait, I, I was I was about to say I was about to say that because I hate the Wisconsin Badgers. Okay, so that's, I like you already. Okay, with me. okay, I like you already. And, and by the way, uh, if you haven't, being that you live in Wisconsin, uh, I'm sure you checked out the Jeffrey Dahmer uh, story on Netflix. Have you checked that out yet? Shoot, I actually haven't. Um, that does sound like something that. Uh, I need to take a look at. Oh, that. I think you'll um, like it. I I, th- I think I, I haven't. I know the story, and I'm I'm like waiting to to watch it with my girlfriend. Uh, but uh, I I've heard a lot of great reviews on it, and and being that you live in Wisconsin and where it happened in Wisconsin, I think it'd be interesting uh, to check it out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll, I'll add it to the list. Uh, serial killers are, <laughs> are something uh, Wisconsin's known for. So. <laughs> well, 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 a lot of weird places. Seattle, Wisconsin, Portland. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the craziest place. Utah, places that you wouldn't think that you would find serial killers. They're nice, beautiful places. But 
Uh, you know, maybe maybe they ice fishing is one of their motives or something. I <laughs> doubt ice fishing is the first motive they have before they kill somebody. But okay, uh, as everybody knows, we're talking to RotoWire assistant baseball editor James Anderson. Why don't we get into the Mets first? The Mets and the Braves. The National League East is uh, neck and neck right now. Uh, a lot of Mets fans are worried that they're not going to win the divisions. They're, the division, they've been really in first place all season long, except maybe one stint, which was very light, and then they took over first place. And uh, the Mets spent a lot of money the last two years. You're talking about their owner and Steve Cohen, Uncle Stevie over here, uh, that spent over a billion dollars. What is going on as far as what you have seen in the National League is, do the Mets win out this division? Uh, I, I actually think I would take Atlanta at this point. Um, they, they always seem to just come on super strong in the second half. And, uh, I thought the Mets had a, had a good off season, but at the end of the day, like the, you know, the Braves just have more young talent that's ready to help them. That's ready to kind of come in and provide depth later in the season. I think, uh, the Mets had, you know, kind of a mediocre trade deadline. Um, like JD Davis has already hit, I don't know, like four homers with the Giants or whatever since they got rid of him. Uh, I just think, that, you know, I think Atlanta's just playing better. And I think that they are getting contributions from more places on the roster. So, what about the trade deadline for the Mets? Is there something that you would have done in order to improve it? I was always saying that they uh, they should go for more left-handed pitching because they really lack that on that team. A lot of other people were thinking the DH spot and the catcher spot. So, what would you have done, and either with a player or a position? Uh, you know, I think that well, that that trade I referenced was just like it was a negative. They they gave up the best hitter to get an inferior hitter and they weren't really using Davis the way that I would have all season anyways. But, um, you know, I think just pushing more chips into the middle um, to try to get, you know, help in the bullpen, um, you know, help uh, kind of, you know, rotation depth. Although at the time I did think David Peterson was going to be a pretty good source of rotation depth, but uh, that, hasn't really materialized the way I expected, but um, it just seems like they didn't really do much of anything. We are talking to Rotowire assistant baseball editor, James Anderson. You look at the national league and, and the American league is pretty much it's set. It's not in stone yet. Houston, the Yankees, Cleveland, they all clinched. It, it looks like it, it's really a fight on maybe two, one wild card spot. I mean, Toronto looks like they're getting in. Uh, they're they're almost a lock. Seattle is probably going to get in, and and it's Tampa. I, I think I think they already know who the locks are. You know, when it comes to the American League, the National League, there's no lock in yet. I mean, Atlanta and the Mets, and St. Louis, and obviously the the Dodgers. There are two spots left: Milwaukee, San Diego, Philadelphia. Those are the three teams fighting for that spot. Who do you think, out of those two other spots, are going to win and get into the playoffs? Uh, you know, I, I'd like to say my my Brewers, but uh, I just think I think San Diego's got more talent. Um, 
I, I think they're going to get in, and it really does kind of come down to the Phillies versus the Brewers there. Uh, I I don't really believe in either team that much at all. Um, I think that whoever gets in is, is probably going to get waxed pretty good. Um, don't say that because we, we've seen baseball, and baseball's been – very, very weird over the years. A team that squeaks into the playoffs. Philadelphia made some interesting uh, moves in at the trade deadline. They added Robertson to that bullpen. I think he's helped the bullpen out. I like the coach change. G- uh, yeah. Girardi just has been absolutely horrible. They brought Thompson in. The team and the players abide into his, uh, you know, his play calling on the bench and his managing. Uh, I-, I think that this team has power. Bryce Harper came back. I, I think they're very dangerous. I they, think they're... they have a they have a ton of talent. Yes. Uh, the one thing that scares me is just their their defense is just really bad. Yeah, they're putrid. Uh, yes. So like that in the playoffs, I feel like that always. If you've got a bad, if you got a defense that's this bad, it's just going to cost you games at the worst time. So mm-hmm. I, I think I am going to pick the Phillies to get in over the Brewers, but uh, I just I hate just how bad their defense is. I mean, I think that that's, you need to have that kind of, you know, that, that area of the game covered. If you're going to make a run as like a six seed. Yeah. You brought up the position player defense. I'll never forget the, the, Tigers of the early 2010s from like 10 to 13 like how loaded was their offense and their pitching and then their defense was just so awful that it cost them so many games yeah yeah I mean it, it you, you can pull it off um but you your offense just needs to be just hitting a ton of homers like all the time um you just really can't afford to have down games um but they I mean you know, I could talk myself into just Nola and Wheeler being too good for it to matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, it, you know, what are, are we talking about them getting you know, more than a round deep here? I, I just I don't really think they have the talent across the board to match up with teams like the Dodgers and the Braves. So are there any other teams that you would consider those types of sleepers in both leagues, both the American League and the National League? Because we think that the Yankees and Astros are probably the obvious powerhouses of the Nation- of the American League. But yes. what about the sleepers in their league and in the National League? Could you see the Padres? Could you see the Cardinals, somebody like that? I could see the Cardinals, you know, getting getting some magic and just kind of going on a run, you know, mm-hmm. Cardinals style. Um, they They don't really have the – high-end talent um, on the pitching side to me uh, that some of these other teams do, but I could just see their offense just being really tough outs up and down the lineup. And um, in the American league, I really think you can make a case for almost all these teams. I mean, they're, they all have just really impressive strengths. Um, Like I think Cleveland's bullpen doesn't get enough credit. Like I think they go four or five deep of just really, uh, impactful relievers, and obviously they've got a pretty solid top of the rotation. Um, I could see the Jays riding, you know, Manoa and Gaussman and their, their three or four best hitters. Um, but I think in, in the NL, I think the Cardinals stand out as, unless you think the Braves count for that, but I think that since they're, I mean, they've got hardware, so I, I think the Cardinals stand out as maybe an NL. I mean, they're defending champs. They're not really a sleeper. Right. right. <laughs> Well, first of all, I think the Cardinals uh, adding Montgomery, I think that was a big move for them. I think you add that to Wainwright. And and I've always said this as a Yankee fan. Uh, by the way, we are talking to uh, Roto Wire's assistant baseball editor, James Anderson. But I've always said that uh, Jordan Montgomery has been the best Yankee 
a starting pitcher in the last couple of years uh, in that rotation. And I was very surprised that Brian Cashman made that move. But then you look at what why they brought in Bader. Bader has been a great acquisition for them. He's a great defensive player, center fielder that can steal bases. And ever since he's been called up, he's been a big part of what this team has done over the last couple of weeks. So I know a lot of Yankee fans are questioning what, you know, a guy like Brian Cashman has done over the years, but this is a man that has been very successful. He's probably the best GM in baseball. Uh, he's been the most successful GM in baseball in the last 30 years. And I, I think that you, you have to trust your executives on on how they believe and what they believe they need to help them win and get over the hump, which the Yankees have not been since 2009. What are your thoughts? Um, and I know Speedy said about the National League and you brought up the Cardinals. What are your thoughts that going into the playoffs is important winning or going just slipping into the playoffs or just kind of like, you know, I guess I guess I, I crawling into the playoffs isn't good uh, as a baseball team. Do you, do you believe that? Do you believe you have to go? You got to go into the playoffs, you know, full house, full power or and or do you you believe it doesn't really matter? It's, it's all a matter of how you set up your lineups, how you set up your rotation and and really these pitchers, how healthy they are. I mean, I think the, the health of your pitching staff and the, um, you know, how tired is your pitching staff? I think that's extremely huge. That might be the biggest factor. Um, you know, you just, you have to have all your pitching weapons ready for battle. And if they're pitching at like 85% or something, that's just not going to cut it. Uh, I, I don't really think, like, I think momentum can change on a dime. Like I think, a team could go in with not much momentum at all and they could uh, like have a, a walk-off victory in game one and all of a sudden like they have all the momentum in the world. So um, I do think like talent and health are probably the two biggest factors. I think I think that's what makes San Diego so dangerous because I, I think the lineup that they have and uh, they're getting healthy. I think Hader has pitched better in the bullpen that we saw – uh, before he got traded from obviously your uh, your Brewers, I was very surprised he got traded. But the Brewers made out on that trade. I, I really do believe that they got a lot of good young prospects. Uh, I I think San Diego's all about win now mode. But I think what make out of all these teams, I'm talking about the American League and the National League. I think in the American League, the most dangerous team to the Yankees in Houston is Seattle. I think they're very dangerous. And I think the 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 danger in the National League, everybody keeps thinking the Mets because of their Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom and St. Louis, what they have done with that lineup with Goldschmidt and, and Arenado with that the middle of that lineup as talented as is and probably run, winner and runner-up for the MVP in the National League. I think the most dangerous team for the National League is the San Diego Padres. Do you agree with me or you don't? I I don't, and it's because I just don't trust any of their hitters other than Machado and Soto. Mm-hmm. Like I, I maybe that'll be enough. I mean, maybe a couple of their other guys get hot, but I just I look at their lineup. To me, it's not a lineup that's built to go deep in the playoffs. Uh, their rotation, their rotation's good enough to carry them, and their bullpen's good enough to to carry them. Uh, but I, I, you know, they kind of 
it's a top heavy lineup. You know, you, you get past Soto and Machado. And if you're facing another team's ace or another team's number two starter, I don't think that pitcher is going to have a hard time with the rest of that lineup. You don't like Cronesworth. He, he's a pretty good player. He's, he's fine. I mean, he, he doesn't, he just doesn't scare me though. Like I don't, no, and a lot of play, like I, I mean, a lot of teams aren't the Yankees. Okay, I mean, you don't have you, you gotta have that type of you, you don't, don't have, have nine players that have double digit home runs. You have uh, seven players that have over fifty or more. It's very rare that uh, the Dodgers that have a lineup like that. It's very the hard Dodgers to, might have twelve guys. With yeah, home runs. I, I mean those. I mean those lineups are are very hard to have those kind of lineups on your ball team. Uh, and, I mean, you got you probably got like. The Yankees, the Astros, uh, the Dodgers, the Jays, and maybe the Braves. Like the, those are the teams that have like World Series caliber lineups. To I think what makes the Mets so dangerous in the National League, and a lot of people, it, it's it, I don't a lot of people don't believe the American League is much. I, I a lot of people think Seattle. I mean, the Yankees could have a very easy way into the ALCS because if Cleveland and Seattle beat up on each other. The Yankees, if they're healthy and if this rotation can, you know, they can figure out this rotation, they should breeze right through Cleveland and Seattle. A lot of people believe that. Uh, okay. And and Houston, I, I think they have a very hard, you know, a hard situation because they got to go against Tampa or Blue Jays and both teams are very dangerous offensively. And I, I think Tampa is more dangerous when it comes to the pitching staff. The National League is so wide open, but a lot of people like the Mets and I'm not I'm not a Mets fan, so as you can see, I'm not a Mets fan. But a, a, a lot of people like the Mets because of Jacob Degrom and Max Scherzer. For some reason, they blow these guys up because they think, hey, you know what we could do if we go into a seven game series, our five game series, we could pitch Max two, we could pitch Jacob three, or we could pitch Max to, uh, Max two, Jacob two, and Bassett, three, you know, once. So do do you think? that teams are looking at the Mets rotation and scared of the Mets going into uh, the playoffs? Or do they all, a lot of these teams in the National League believe that they're beatable? I mean, no team wants to face DeGrom or Scherzer uh, in any game, uh, let alone both of them multiple times in a series. But just as an outside observer, I just think it's unlikely that you're going to be able to pitch those two guys as often as you're going to need to. And those guys are going to stay healthy through three rounds of the playoffs. I just, you know, if you're, if you got to pitch DeGrom or Scherzer on short rest multiple times or anything like that, I just think odds are uh, father time's going to kind of limit their effectiveness and after those guys, nobody's scaring anybody in that rotation. So like, as long as DeGrom and Scherzer are healthy, you know, they have a chance to go all the way. I just think it's it's going to be a lot to ask of those guys at, at their age and with their recent health issues. And that lineup, I, I I don't think that lineup is scary, okay? No. I, I, I don't. I, I, I like Pete Alonzo. Uh, yeah. Francisco Lindor, I, I guess I'm not a big fan of his. I think they overpaid him, but uh, I don't think he's a great playoff player. I mean, player. who's their third best hitter? Um, that depends on it depends McNeil? on the part of the season McNeil? because Maybe. in the beginning of the season it was McNeil and then it shifted to Marte and then it shifted to Canna. Canna was hitting when nobody else was for a while. Then he got uh, then 
that Marte shifted back to him again, then he got hurt again, and now it shifted back to Canna. So it's like a weird fluctuation of it. So Brandon Nimmo's kind of steadily, like, kind of good. but I like Nimmo, but I don't think the Mets are going to be able to resign him in the offseason. Yeah, that's going to be a very difficult task. I think a lot of teams are going to. I think they expected him to play this well. I think a lot of people are going to line up for him. He's a shutdown center fielder in this league. They're very hard to find, and he can hit now. So if he could give you 50 RBIs, 60 RBIs, and give you. Uh, you know, 15, 60 home runs. That's what you expect for a center fielder. That's a shutdown center fielder. And, 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 the, and that's why Yankee fans, all of them jumping around that they hate Bader. Bader is the prototypical center fielder in the majors. He is prototypical. And he's the best. Some people say he's the best defensive center fielder in baseball. So, and Yankee fans were jumping off a cliff when this guy was traded to the Yankees. Yes, he hasn't played a lot, but... I could see why Brian Cashman made that move. Am I right or wrong? I think it it raised their ceiling. Um, like if you their rotation stays healthy, I think having Bader patrolling center field gives them an element that they would like. They wouldn't necessarily have even needed to use Montgomery that much uh, to go deep into the playoffs, but now they have this really, really good up-the-middle defense to complement at all three levels to complement uh, their power hitters. I think it's I think it's a really nice build. And they also have Ben Attendee, who's coming back, too. A lot of people say he'll be back. Uh, remember, everybody keeps forgetting about DJ LeMayu, who's missed uh, a quarter of the season because of injury. He's coming back. He's getting activated on Friday. I mean, the Yankees are getting healthy at the right time. The question is, are they going to be ready for the playoffs? They haven't seen a lot of pitching over the last couple of months. So that's going to be the problem. But, I mean, the Yankees are getting healthy at the right time. So And Carpenter is coming back, too. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know who's gonna is going to make this postseason roster. It's crazy. And it, you know the Yankees, they like to keep a lot of pitchers. So what are they going to do on their bench? They're going to have to make a lot of decisions. So I, it, I, I hate to be Aaron Boone. I really – I'm going to sit this guy, this guy after the season. Oswald Cabrera is had uh, – Oswaldo Cabrera has had a, a, a pretty fantastic second half, and a lot of people believe he's the future left fielder for the New York Yankees. Are you going to sit him out over Benatendi or a Carpenter after what he's been doing over the last couple of weeks? I don't know. If I was Aaron Boone, I wouldn't want to be in that position. I mean, maybe you leave. Can you leave like some of the less productive guys off, like, a, oh. like a Hicks? Well, I mean, I, yeah, I think he's like, definitely off Hicks. Hicks is I mean, definitely like, off. I, yes. I to me, like you keep Cabrera, you keep Carpenter, and you keep Benintendi. Uh, well, how many people could you have on your bench when it comes to the offensive side of the roster? There's, no, there's no restriction to it. It's just a 25-man but what roster. Do you, what do they get? Most, what, teams most teams carry two or three in the American League. So the Yankees are going to carry two on a bench. That's what they're going to do. And uh, off, they like to keep pitchers in the bullpen. They want to make sure that their their pitchers stay fresh. And if they need to bring in a relief pitcher or a long stretch pitcher, they can do that. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's Brian Cashman. That's what Brian Cashman likes to do. So it can also change round to round too. So you could have. I'm, I'm just talking yeah. about the first round, the divisional series, and, and, and with your lineup and what you're going to do. I would think that you're probably going to sit Oswaldo Cabrera. You're not. You're. you're you you made the trade for Ben Attendee, okay? You're not having him sit in the divisional game. You're not you're if he's healthy, he's playing, okay? Bader, you made that trade. You're not sitting Bader, okay? So that's that, that you're not doing that. Now Hicks, we know, has had a crappy 
you know, crappy years. So I don't think it's going to bother Aaron Aaron Boone unless, you know, Brian Cashman steps in and says, I want you to play Aaron Hicks. He's a switch hitter. So I don't know what he's doing with that. You know Giancarlo Stanton's going to be in the lineup. You know Aaron Judge is going to be in the lineup. So it's mainly the outfield. The infield, you already know what it is. And they're not going to sit Josh Donaldson. I am not a big fan of Josh Donaldson. Everybody knows that. I, I was in the beginning of the season. I thought he was going to be good in that, that middle of that lineup. But uh, he has been absolutely horrible. I think he's more swift with his mouth than he is with his bat. Okay? So I'm I'm not a big fan of him, but they're not sitting him. He's a veteran player. He's a good defender. So, honestly. I think I, I, think I would – honestly, I would carry – if all those guys are healthy, I, I don't think it's a guarantee that, like, Carpenter is even healthy. But um, He says he's playing. He already said would, he's playing. I would carry Cabrera over Benintendi, I think. Really? really? Like, like, I just think you're – the defensive element that, that Cabrera brings, it's better than anything Benintendi brings to me. Well, versatility-wise, versatility yeah, because he can play the infield. But so, Benintendi's yeah. a better hitter. And uh, with the Yankees lineup where they're, they're, they're all about power. is Now, Cabrera's had a very good two weeks. He's, I think he has four home runs. He's hitting 353. It's great. He, slugging percentage is good. Everything. Am I going to trust a young guy? Benintendi's I mean, ben, been there before. Benintendi has five homers in 126 games this year. The Yankees like, don't need power from him. They need, they need bases. I know. I'm just saying, like, he's not going like, to impact a series offensively, in my opinion. I think it's unlikely. Like, I think, it, I think like, bringing, having Cabrera as that weapon uh, with the defensive versatility is more likely to impact a game than anything Benatendi's going to do. I, I mean, the Yankees, believe it or not, have been one of the top five defensive teams in baseball this year. And I know. I, I saw that uh, the other day. That yeah. They were, like, at the top. And yes. Just like, and, they were the wor- and they were the worst last year. <laughs> I think it's it's Trevino, Trevino and IKF are doing a lot of the work. Oh, Trevino! By the way, what a what a snag by Brian Cashman bringing Trevino in. That trade was probably the biggest rob uh, you can have because I, nobody knew who Trevino was. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be honest. I knew I knew who who of him, but I didn't realize that he was a great defensive player as well as he is, and and what he's added as far as offense is concerned is everything you want from a catcher. I've been absolutely impressed, and, and the Yankees are going to sign him in the offseason. He is there. He's going to be the catcher moving forward. I know Trevino wants to be their catcher moving forward. I, I just – Brian Cashman, say what you want about him. He doesn't know how to find pitchers. We all know that, okay? He's been horrible. Frankie Montas, uh, I, I, I don't know what's going on with his head, but I, it looks like it's a, it's a real – Real bust as of what do you guys. Seen. Do you guys wish that they had uh, tried to match or tried to beat the uh, Mariners package for Castillo? <sighs> no, because what I heard they want, uh, they wanted Volpe or Peraza, and I I was not doing that. And uh, I also heard that Dominguez's name was being brought into the conversation too. I I know their prospects, and you don't. There's no guarantees with those prospects. But when you hear so so much about those prospects and how good they think they are, and the Yankee scouts, they're some of the best in the world. So if they're saying, every, remember, I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago when Aaron Judge and Luis Savarino were in the Yankees farm system. And the Orioles 
wanted to trade. I forget who they were trading. They wanted to trade to the Yankees, and they wanted Aaron Judge, Luis Severino, and somebody else. Okay, and the Yankees said no because they knew that Luis Severino and Aaron Judge were stars. They didn't trade him. Could you imagine if the Yankees traded? Aaron I think it, Judge? I think it was Weeders or something. Like yeah, that at the time. Yeah. Could you imagine they were trade? They would have traded Aaron Judge and Luis Severino over there to the Orioles and what the Orioles would be right now. I mean, it would just. Brian Cashman's not an idiot. Okay, he's just not stupid. The and, and that's why Brian Cashman has won on these lot of trades. Uh, a lot of these trades, Brian Cashman has won, but. It's just for for some reason these pitching pitching doesn't work out for the Yankees and and pitching wins championships as far as what everybody believes. But last year the reason why Atlanta won was not because of pitching. They won because of their defense and their offense. The the trades that they made at the trade deadline. So you look at right now the questions and a lot of teams have questions in the playoffs. I think the Dodgers' questions is their rotation. They lost two pitchers. Uh, which will affect them. Their bullpen, questionable, but their lineup is ridiculous. Um, the char- the I'm sorry, Chargers, I'm sorry. The Padres, uh, we, you already said that th- there's two guys that sit offensively. So where are their weaknesses? All the teams internationally, from top to bottom, the, the six teams that we've mentioned, tell us you th- what you think of their weaknesses and their strengths and why you think they are, are, are a shoe-in on possibly winning a World Series, uh, I think I might go with Atlanta to actually go back to back. Yeah, Ooh. Atlanta and who? Atlanta and the, who in the American League? Uh, Astros. Ooh, same World Series as last year. Wow, that happened in hockey in 08 and 09 with the Penguins I mean, and Red Wings with different winners. We're talking about just. I mean, a lot of these are just coin flips to me. Yeah. Um, well, it's I just think, I think the go. teams, the like five or six teams at the top are just so close. Uh, I think I trust, um, I trust the Astros pitching more than I trust the Yankees pitching. And I think the offenses are pretty equal. I would I'd probably give the Yankees a, a bit of a slight edge defensively, but um I, yeah, Aline, Aline Stroh's there. And then uh, I just can't. That Dodgers top of the lineup. I mean, having to see those guys that many times in the playoff series, they're just going to put up They're gonna put up runs. I think the Dodgers are going to be eliminated pretty early. Uh, I, I do. I, I, don't, I, I don't buy the Dodgers. I really don't. Um, the, the the Padres scare me because I like their rotation and I like their bullpen. And I think Hader's a lot better than people make him out to be. And I think even though he has not been good in the playoffs, let's be honest, I, I think I, I, I like – I just like him. I think he's the best relief pitcher in baseball when he's on. So I, I – I, but I, I think the two teams that I would be worried about in the National League would probably be the Cardinals and the Mets – I, I know everybody has the Atlanta Braves and and have the 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 Dodgers because those are the teams or the powerhouses. I, I can totally see the Cardinals, man. Like I I could like I don't know what the odds are. Um, I I bet on the Cardinals. I bet on the Cardinals this year. I bet on them last year. I I think the Cardinals go to the World Series this year. I do. I think it's a really smart kind of underdog pick, um, especially with especially with the Dodgers and the Mets. Mm-hmm. Drawing in all all that action because of those markets, mm-hmm. like I could totally see the Cardinals being a really good value pick right now. 
By the way, we are talking to Rotowire assistant baseball editor James Anderson. So I wanted to ask about kind of the format because obviously the two top two teams are going to get the buys now. So it's a little like what the NFL playoffs used to be. So is there anyone that you think could get hurt from that kind of thing, either having to sit and wait or not having the injuries back? Um, I think it's going to really benefit. I mean, I think the team that might have been – like I think the Astros have the – most rotation depth right now and so I think they might have been um, more suited to just being ready to go right away like I don't think they needed the extra rest but I think the other three like I think the Yankees Mets Dodgers could all really benefit from the rest you know it it, before we let you go it's so interesting and we can go back and forth and we can argue who's gonna win the World Series this year because there, there are all these teams are qualified to win. Now, who's to say that the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay Rays don't make the playoffs? They don't squeak into the playoffs, go all the way to the World Series this They're year. They're my sleeper. And, and, and win the whole thing. They, they really could. The lineup is good enough. Their defense is always good. Um, I, obviously, I'm not a big, I'm a big fan of their manager, but, you know, a lot, everybody else is. Um, even though he's a choke artist, and we all know what he did in the World Series when he was I there. I don't think they're, I don't think the Rays offense is good enough. Yeah. Really? Why yeah. is that? I just I I mean they just have a bunch of um like who on their team would you say is a power hitter? I think power doesn't matter in the playoffs. I, I, I think power is overrated. Uh, ask the Yankees. <laughs> I mean, well, the Rays don't strike I mean, out uh, two hundred times like the Yankees do. I, but that's you not just, my thing. There's, there's I'm saying nobody on their team though. Like if you're down a run or you're like, there's no one on their team where they'd be up to bat, and I'd be like, oh crap, like he's going to tie it here. Like, like I, you can win, you can win a World Series without having a ton of power. But I think when the top is just as, as stacked as it is, I think you do need to have some a couple guys that scare the opposing pitching staff. I think their shortstop is a star. I, I think they have some, you know, interesting pieces that. And I, I bringing back Glass now. He's Glass now, who's is ready to you know to make his run in the playoffs. I think he's a dangerous pitcher. I think their rotation could be very scary. They have a Cy Young candidate. Uh, was one of the better pitchers in the first half. Uh, he kind of slowed down in the second half. He got half. hurt, and he hasn't recovered since. Yes, but um, nevertheless, I think that their rotation's pretty good. I, I They could be dangerous. I, I just think uh, when you look at the big picture right now, uh, James, I, I just – in the American League, everybody seems to think it's, it's the Yankees in Houston. And in the National League, everybody still believes it's the Dodgers in Atlanta. And I'm going to tell you this. I wouldn't be surprised if all four teams lose in the divisional series. And we're talking about a completely different conversation uh, in the ALDS and the NLDS. I just, I, there is no sure thing this year. I, I don't think there's a sure thing on any of these teams. Everybody keeps saying Houston. Who, who's to say Houston is a sure thing? I, I, I like their rotation. They have some young pay. Half two of those pitchers never even pitched in the playoffs. So I, or pitched what one game last year in the playoffs? It came in as a relief pitcher in the place. Are you going to? Well, trust- yeah, they're going to do a lot of openers. Yeah, but like that, but that's yeah. what I'm saying. You 
there are no guarantees in that rotation except Furlander, who, by the way, is coming back from an injury. He was not a, hasn't really been 100% in the second half of the season. There is no guarantees with them. And the same thing with the Yankees. I mean, I, I hope they're not. I, I don't know if Frankie Montez is okay or he's healthy enough to play in the playoffs. I really hope they don't pitch him. I'd be freaking scared if he's pitching in that rotation. And Garrett Cole scares me. By the way, I think he just gave up a home run. Uh, he did. So, and that's uh, a league leading home run that he gave up. So, uh, uh, to the Blue Jays' backup catcher, Danny Jansen. Yeah. So, uh, I'm not surprised about that. So, and I, that's what scares me about, you know, a guy like Garrett Cole. If Garrett Cole gives up a three run home run and the Yankees can't in that game, they're done. <laughs> and that's what scares me about the Yankees. These guys need to be shut down pitchers. They need to give their offense a chance to get a lead. I don't. I don't necessarily know if they could do that under pressure. And that's what scares me. Well, but. I wonder if uh, Garrett Cole might have starting to get playoff Clayton Kershaw syndrome. It seems like he always allows his home runs in the sixth inning mm. <laughs> when he does. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with everything you said, though. Like, it, it is wide open. Mm. Um, like, I could see a case for <laughs> like eight of these teams. I mean, that's what makes it so fun, though, right? Mm. Well, it also makes me want to throw up because as a Yankee fan, I want to see my team finally win in like, what, 12 years? I mean, this is the longest drought the Yankees had, but I'm not one of those Yankee fans, okay? Like, I I have to win. I just want to see my team put up a good fight. If they lose in the ALDS, they win a divisional series, they lose in the ALDS, or even if they lose in the World Series, and it's fair, I'm happy because I, I expect my team to compete. They're not competing, and they're getting bounced out by, I don't know, the Boston Red Sox in a wild card game last year where, you know, they're, everybody's calling Garrett Cole Kermit all offseason. It, it kind of, as a Yankee fan, I'm, you, you, we paid this guy $300 million. It doesn't make me happy as a, as a fan when I'm watching, I don't know, uh, Stevie Cohen spend a billion dollars and he's getting his team into the playoffs just because he's spending money. I, I, I just... Except, except at the catcher position where that still hasn't worked yet. Well, they got Alvarez. I, and I think Alvarez is Alvarez good. will have to save them. I'm pretty, I, I'm pretty confident that we'll see the Yankees in the ALCS. Ooh, look at that. I'm going to remember you said that. Cause if they don't, uh, we're going to get you on the show, James, and then I might have to, uh, you know, I might have to Jeffrey Dahmer you. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, not, I didn't say they're going to get out of the ALCS, but I didn't tell people. <laughs> you, you, know, uh, you don't believe in the 21-year revenge for the Seattle Mariners? <laughs> no, they're, they just, they're undermanned, I think. Yeah, but we really appreciate you joining us, as always, giving us the half an hour uh, uh, definitely check out. Tell the fans how they can find you. Uh, obviously, you're editing. You're an editor for Rotowire. Uh, tell us how they can find you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at RealJRAnderson, and uh, I'll be. I do the uh, prospect rankings at Rotowire, and I'll be my end of season top 100 prospects uh, next week. Hold on, um, hold on, hold on. Where do you? Uh, and by the way, we're definitely going to get you on because. If the Yankees are not in the LDS, I'm I'm definitely going to have a word with you. So, uh, but uh, who? Do, where do you have Volpe? Uh, on the next update, he'll be at seven. Oh, okay, That's, all right. Uh, is Alvarez still number one? 
I don't think you want to know where I've got it. Oh, no. <laughs> I fell. Oh, he did. He, no. fought. He, he hasn't had a really good Somebody second surpassed half. Somebody surpassed him. Never, I never had him. I've never even had Alvarez top 25 on that. Not confident in him saving the Mets hitting offensive catching, hitting woes. <laughs> no, he hasn't I, really been hitting. You know, so well, again, neither is James McCann or Tomas Nito. Yeah, Actually, Nito's had a pretty good two weeks recently, but beyond that, nothing. <laughs> but we really appreciate you, man. We'll get you on again. Uh, you you definitely have an interesting personality, and check out Jeffrey Dahmer's story. Uh, you know, the evil in Mr. Dahmer. And like I said, if the Yankees don't make DLDS, I might have to. Uh, you know, I might have to uh, Jeffrey Dahmer you, my friends. I'm just not going to eat you, okay? I don't do that stuff. Well, actually, I, one more question. I, you said you were a, a Minnesota fan, for, mm-hmm. but you were a Brewers fan for baseball. Is it a, like a split, or is it all Wisconsin besides the Minnesota teams? What is that? Because I feel silly accusing you of being yeah, a Badger I mean, fan. Pro team. Pro team's Wisconsin. So you're all, all right, so you're all Wisconsin for the pro teams, and then you're just a Minnesota. So you're a Packer fan, huh? Yeah. All right. Go Aaron Rodgers, baby. Uh, you know, Devontae Adams is really regretting, uh, you know, his stay over there with Derek Carr. How long is it going to take Dodge McDaniels to get fired? I don't know. Um, probably by the end of the year. <laughs> you guys might ne- you guys might get Nathaniel Hackett back, too, because his time bomb in Denver. I have a feeling. <laughs> I have a feeling by next year, Devontae Adams is going to demand a trade and he's going to head back to Green Bay. I, I really do believe it. I, I can't see. He is already complaining about you know, the um, uh, the offense and Josh McDaniels calling and even Derek Carr. He, he's kind of thrown Derek Carr under the bus. So uh, it's just a matter of time where Devontae Adams pushes his way out of there. So I, don't, I knew it wasn't going to work that long. He should have never left Aaron Rodgers. He, I'm sure he's regretting it today. So <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, thank you, my friends. Yeah, thanks for having me on. James Anderson, great personality, good guy. Mm-hmm. Very good. good. Good get, Speedy. Good get. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you uh, haven't checked out Roto-Wire, we've had a couple of the guys on. Yes, we have. Uh, it's a great, they're, first of all, they're great writers, and they know their sports. So every different sport, every Roto-Wire guys that we have had from each and every different sport, they, they know their stuff. Yes. He, he will be ever, he will be ever forever, forever known as uh, Rotowire. Uh, he's the lead prospect analyst, and then he also does the system baseball editor, and now uh, lead Francisco Alvarez critic. <laughs> yeah, he does. He's not a big fan of him. Yes. Not That's even honest. top 25. Wow. I, oh. I never saw that at all. Like, I, I, yes, there were people that didn't have him at the start of the season, uh, like higher than 20. Like, he was in the lower 20s, but I never saw him that low out of the top 25 completely, even at the start of the season. That's interesting. So, we got a lot of baseball, and practically this whole show was baseball, but I got and the so, last. And, and your arguments with Skull Torres. Yes. The, the last hour of our show is all football. So when we go to a quick break, yes, Ben, we'll get into uh, your Galladay thoughts on going to Green Bay, which I think it's a horrible move. Good. Well, me. We'll, we'll gladly dump him in, in your uh, frigid cold stadium. If the Giants do release him, which it seems like they might. Good riddance. I mean, uh, I don't you could have him, Ben. Have have fun with him. I don't know why you would want him, but have fun just, with him, Ben. I mean, the guy can't catch, so <laughs> or run routes or stay healthy. So I, I don't know what's happened to him. I, he was a pretty good player on the Lions. I, I really did like him. I thought it was a terrible, you know, signing. I, I think they overpaid him. I mean, he's making what sixteen million a year. He's not even—he's the highest paid individual receiver this year, twenty-three million. Oh, really? I so yeah. So his contract got really bad this year. <laughs> Thank you, Gettleman. Anyways. <sighs> 
uh, when we come back, all football for the rest of the show. So definitely keep in tune with us here on the Sports Lambouts. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loudmouths. You can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Why is Donaldson jumping in front of uh, who's playing shortstop right now? Is it Pereza? I can't tell. Uh, it's probably Pereza. Why is he jumping in front of him? It makes no sense. This is why I don't want Josh Donaldson starting for my team at third. Yeah, it is Pereza. So, very stupid move. Well, you, you said before that uh, Trevino was the biggest robbery on the positive end. Well, Josh Donaldson might be the biggest robbery on the uh, negative end. kind of scares me. And, uh, again, uh, Garrett Cole is in trouble. Oh, that's a balk. Oh, boy. That's a balk. Oh, good. Two, two more balks for Garrett Cole. He'll catch up to one of the Marlins relief pitchers yesterday that balked three times in one inning against the Mets. Oh, how do you ball? How how are you a, a a top pitcher in the league? And you, your 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 bulk. This is like what his fourth or fifth bulk this year. It's it's a rare thing as it is. So it's like it's such a force to have, and then I'll call, all of a sudden comes out of nowhere. But again, like I said yesterday, I forget who the pitcher was for the Marlins. He had three balks in one inning yesterday. You would think you would be you would be a little more careful after the first one, but no, not the case. Now the <sighs> Blue Jays have third and second and one out with a MVP runner up at the plate. Yeah, wonderful. Uh, maybe this will be a pop-up fly. No, it isn't. Uh, I expect a three-run home run. But anyways, um, so why don't we get into some football? And, and and Zach Wilson, if you're a Jet fan, you should be excited. I if you I'm a Jet fan. I'm excited to see the young kid on the field. I've seen enough of Joe Flacco. I've seen enough of a a pocket-present quarterback that can't move inside and out of the pocket. This offensive line is horrible. You lose Font for four weeks. He's on IR now. You get Dwayne Brown probably back week five, week six. It depends on how he feels. Uh, This week he'll probably practice with the team. He's eligible to come off for week five, right? It's week five he can come off. Mm -hmm. So next week he could be back as the left tackle for the Jets. So it doesn't hurt them that they lost Font. No, if Max Mitchell has played well at the right tackle position, he has. Then they decided to bring in Mike Remmer. I, I don't know what he is. Uh, as every Giant fan knows that he probably isn't any good. They also brought in the Bengals. Cedric Obeggy. Obeggy, whatever his name is. Uh, I don't know what they think they're going to get out of these two guys. I think it's Max Mitchell's position to lose until Font comes back, which will probably be week 10, week 11. Mm. What worries me is Zach Wilson going into the season. They brought in these tackles. Uh, I mean, everybody thought Makai Beckham was going to be the right tackle, and he was their highly profiled tackle coming back from injury. He's out for the season. Then you you lose 
Dwayne Brown, you shift. Well, you, you bring in Dwayne Brown. You shift Font to the right tackle position, position, and then you you really solidify your tackle positions. And you bring in Lankin Thomason, who looked pretty good the last two weeks. Yes, he's looked pretty good. Elijah Vera Tucker has been as good as anybody in the league. He really has been fantastic. And McGovern, eh, not anything to brag about. But now you you're you're looking at their starting, you know, tackles going into this game against a pretty good Pittsburgh defense now. Watt is not going to be playing. T.J. Watt will not be playing in this game, but it's still a good linebacking core. They're going to get at Zach Wilson. Absolutely are. They're not, they are. They don't have Hendrickson, uh, you know, the power defensive end, that what he did against the Jets the other day. But you have McDermott and Mitchell, one rookie and another guy that was really released by the Jets. Uh, from their their fifty three squad, and then they decided to bring him back because they they just had no backup tackles, and he knows the offense. So that scares me going into this game. Now they could shift Elijah Veritaki. He knows the tackle position. They're not going to put the kid in harm's way when he hasn't played tackle all off season. So what does this tell me about Zach Wilson? Well, it tells me that he will be running for dear life on Sunday. Okay, and the only way the Jets are going to keep the Pittsburgh Steelers honest defensively is they have to run the ball successfully. That means Brees Hall and Michael Carter is going to have to have games that really stand out. Brees Hall is going to have to have his first 100-yard game. He's going to have to score a touchdown. Michael Carter, who has had glimpses of uh, great you know, great showings and 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 really disappear in the second half. He needs to play all game long, and they're going to have to use the screen passes to his advantage because this offensive line is going to be horrible in this game. They're going to be horrible, and this defense. And I'll say this once: I don't want to hear any more excuses from Robert Sala. I, I don't want to hear that we still. Haven't played our best game defensively. Your defense sucks. Your front seven stinks. You're not getting. I I keep looking at Lawson. He he he's getting more rushes to the quarterback. He's not hitting the quarterback. So I don't care if he leads the league in getting to the quarterback. He's not touching him. It doesn't matter if he's not getting the sacks. He's not putting pressure in my eyes. Quinn Williams. I understand you were arguing with your coach on the sidelines. I don't know what fully was said. I, I guess it was cleaned up. If you want to be a good defense, you should not be arguing with your coaches on the sideline. Do you see the Giants doing that with Wink? Okay. Now, Wink is a highly profiled, bad-ass defensive coordinator that doesn't give a crap about much of anything. I have not seen any of the Giant players arguing with him on the side, sidelines in Martindale. Okay. That tells me that there's something on this coaching staff that's not working. And if it's not Oldbridge calling the defense, which he's been absolutely horrible, uh, it's been the defensive linemen, it's been the corners, it, it hasn't flown what we expected this defense to be this year. And Lawson, Rankins, Williams, Franklin Myers, who was horrible the other day, okay, Everything that we've seen on this front seven, the linebackers have played well. Mosley's played well. 
Uh, shout out to Quincy uh, Williams. He's better than he's been better than his brother. He's better. He's been better than Quentin Williams. But they lost him. It was a high ankle sprain. He should be back. He's day to day. He probably won't be back this week. Maybe he's back next week. Maybe they'll wait until um, uh, week eight or week nine when uh, they have the bye week. I I don't know, but uh, he's played very well. And even uh, Kawan Alexander has played well. They really the linebackers are not the reason why the Jets aren't winning defensively. It's the front seven who can't get pressure any pressure on the quarterbacks. And a shame on them because you you watch Joe Burrow throw almost 400 yards against you when he hasn't thrown close to 400 yards really all season. And and, and the Bengals lead when it comes to sacks throughout the league. Yeah, their line's on pace to be worse than last year. <laughs> okay, that is uncalled for for the front seven. And in the secondary, I'm going to say this once. Whitehead, the fact that he missed that tackle against Boyd and let Tyler Boyd run right in 50 yards was horrible. This safety play is the worst in the NFL. Joyner, Whitehead, the bring in a Whitehead, he's been horrible. It's starting to make me think they should have re-signed Marcus May. I mean, it's crazy to say I heard how great Whitehead was with the Super Bowl and how important he was to the safety play for that that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. He has been horrible on the New York Jets. So this defense has been crap. The best part of the Jets so far this season is the young wide receiver in, um, I'm sorry, Wilson. Uh, Wilson, uh, a, a guy like Wilson, what they got as the 10th pick. Uh, he's been something th- to talk about. There's glimpses of Elijah Moore. I don't know if he's running the right routes. Corey Davis is horrible. I, I, I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Corey Davis. Uh, they have to use the tight ends more. They. Why did you bring in CJ Uzma? I'm sorry, Uzma. If if he's not playing, why did you pay him two years, sixteen, seventeen million? Conklin needs to learn how to catch. He even though he he didn't drop the ball much yesterday. I mean, last Sunday he did. He the the last two weeks before that he was been he's been horrible. They need to use and and I think Zach Wilson will use the tight ends more than Flacco. I think he will. But. Zach Wilson is going to have to really rely on his legs. And hopefully he's 100% healthy, and that's why the Jets sat him, because he will help the offensive line out and hide Speedy, their deficiencies on that offensive line. Yeah, there's two things they're going to have to do in this game, because you mentioned it with Watt being out for the Steelers. They don't really have a number one edge rusher, but they still have a scheme that does like to blitz a lot, a lot of zone blitz concepts. Mike Tomlin has been doing a little more man than in previous years because they don't have the same secondary as they used to, but without the without Watt, it's definitely not on paper great outside pass rush. Now, their interior pass rush is still very good, and if the Jets are going to have to shift guys or use some other guys on the inside, because you mentioned McGovern now being heard and stuff like that, they're going to have to maybe add extra pressure to help out the edges. So that could be a tough matchup. So Michael LaFleur and Zach Wilson are going to have to do a lot to be able to get a head start on getting outside. And that has to do with the play calling. Zach Wilson, maybe uh, if it's something that's going to be a a play that's going to be rolled out to the outside, get out quicker or even shift on an initial throw. Obviously, 
he can't do what he did in the preseason and only go to the number one read, but you have to be able to survey the field quicker and shift if you need to, because the Steelers are still going to be creative in terms of rushing the passer, because the Steelers' run defense is definitely vulnerable. We've seen them. They were one of the worst last year, and yes, they did get better on the interior, but if the Jets can run the ball, it definitely helps, but it can only go so much in what this type of matchup is going to be with Zach Wilson just coming back. As far as the wide receivers, they have some winnable matchups on the outside because the Steelers' corners aren't great. Minka Fitzpatrick's fantastic, but the Steelers' corners really aren't scary where the Jets should be able to win one-on-one matchups with a route running. But Mike LaFleur, if you don't want to call these proper routes and make the offense way too simple and not use Elijah Moore, guys like that, properly, that's going to be a big problem. And I think that that's going to be a big test for him too. Maybe have a lot more trips bunch, a lot more overloaded to one side where that'll take a lot of pressure off of that offensive line defensively. Yeah. The secondary is definitely left a lot to be desired. The front four, they're really only doing four man rushes, which they they might have to make some kind of adjustment. Cause you're right. The linebackers have played well enough, be creative at, at certain points. I don't think I'm not, I haven't been critical of Jeff Ulbrich in the past, but he's doing, he's misusing a lot of players. You're like mentioned Whitehead. I think a lot of their defense alignment, he's so, been horrible, which is very surprising. Now Whitehead, again, we knew he was a box safety, a more run stopping safety than he was a, a free, like a coverage type free safety, but I don't think he's been used in that role so far. And as a result, you're not going to get as much playing time, especially with the linebackers playing well, too. And also with Quincy Williams' injury, now we'll have to see if the Jets do a lot more of their nickel packages as more of a base-type thing again against the Steelers' receivers that they have a lot of depth for. it. So that'll be a big thing, and also the pass rush as a whole, too. Carl Lawson, yes, he's leading the league in overall pressures, but that has to the other guys have to help out there too. That's going to benefit you from an analytics standpoint if other guys get to the quarterback and they haven't been able to do that so far. By the way, Aaron Judge is up, 7th inning. It's 2 and 2 uh to him at the plate uh, trying to hit number 61. Uh, he just fouled the ball off uh, to put it at two and two. Oh, is that Chris Mesa on the mound? Another ex Mets. <laughs> yep, and he's he's not really that was his best pitch to hit and he fouled it off. So uh, he might strike out again. So it, it, they're definitely pitching around him. You can see that they're pitching around. Which him. I'm surprised the Blue Jays did. I wouldn't. I'm the, the Red Sox. I expected to pitch around him. The Blue Jays. I thought they'd be a little more aggressive. No, they just, they don't want to be the team that's no, going to do they, it. It just seems weird though. Like they're still contending. Like you still would want to play the game because I think the Yankees team offense is still strived because they're still walking Judge and like they're wearing the other pitchers out because of it. How many full counts has Judge taken? Uh, and that's what I that's what I mean. I I know a lot of Yankee fans want to see him break the record or tie the record in Yankee Stadium. But I, I think Judge just wants to get this over with if it ever happens because he doesn't want to deal with it. It's a lot of pressure on him. There's a lot of pressure on him. Of course. And, and uh, a lot of people expect him to do it. And, it, and what happens if he falls short? Mm-hmm. I mean, he goes into the playoffs like this in a slump. I mean, Yankee fans are not going to want to see that. Uh, but, again, if, if he hits the home runs in, in the playoffs, does he break the record? No, 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 because it's a, it's a no. regular season record. I mean, if you want to check the combined record, I'm not sure what it is. If you looked at Barry Bonds, 73, and whatever he did in the postseason, I don't remember that year in 2001. I don't, know if he, I don't even know if the Giants made the postseason that year because Arizona won that division. But I mean, it's it sucks, and he hasn't hit a home run in like a week. Mm-hmm. This has been a drought. This is probably the longest drought he's had, really, since yeah. the All-Star break. And it seemed like he was going to do it because he had two against the Brewers. Like, that was the team I thought that might shut him down, not the not the Red Sox. It's not, crazy. Not, not the Blue Jays and the Red Sox as much. The Red Sox, I know they want to be petty. I get that. The Blue Jays, they're still fighting for something. So, I'm surprised. And then there's the Giants. And I, I will say this. 
they played a really close game with the Cowboys, and, and they lost against a backup quarterback. They did. Yeah. And now you're hearing that Daz Prescott, Dak Prescott is going to be back. <laughs> Some people think he could be back by you know against Washington this week. I think they're going to wait at least another week. They don't need to rush him back. He will be back the week after, 110%. He will be back. And that's, that's pretty good for a Cowboy team that – a lot of people thought losing Dak Prescott for two or three weeks was going to lose all those games with a backup quarterback. So uh, it, it's pretty imp- – up. Oh, that could be gone. Oh, is that it? That's gone. 61. Wow. 61. There it is. That's 61. Aaron Judge hits number 61 in Toronto. Ties Roger Maris's record. Obviously, it went into the the Blue Jays dugout, so the, mm-hmm. the players will pick it up and hand it to him. It's not gonna, he's not, they're not gonna have to pay anybody off. Yeah, uh-huh. line drive home run right into the Yankees bullpen is gonna have over 100 exit velocity for sure, but also a go ahead home run too. So he <laughs> ties Roger Maris's record. All the players are hugging him. So uh, he hits number 61. This is a this is a a great feat for a, a very likable person in the major leagues. Everybody loves him. Uh, very well respected uh, throughout the league, so I'm sure the Blue Jays are going to come up to him and give him a pound and a hug him. Uh, this is a great, this is a great story. This really is. Aaron Judge was just nice enough to just wait till we were back on air. Now it all makes sense. Now the question is, are the Yankees going to continue playing him so he can hit number 62? Oh, they have to. <laughs> they have to. They can't let him go out of the record. Aaron, Aaron. Look at all the managers that are scrutinized for pulling pitchers out of no hitters. Like if you don't if you don't pull them out of like a seven game stretch, because uh, like Stuck says, it was eight games starting tonight. <laughs> seven game stretch. I mean, he's got to play it. I'm point. sure he is very happy he tied that record because people want him. There's his mom and his father. They're hugging. Uh, this is this is a great this is a great story. Not just for the Yankees franchise, but for for a very likable person. Uh, you, you, like her or hate the Yankees. For what Aaron Judge has done this year is very special. This is a very special story for a guy that bet on himself in the offseason. The Yankees offered him $213 million. They didn't really want to. They were fighting with what they were going to pay him with the arbitration. And now uh, him having the season that he is having right now, it, it's it's a great story. It really is. 61. and Has a chance to win the Triple Crown, yep. winning the batting title. I mean – uh, could win a, maybe they win a World Series. This could be a, one of the greatest, the most complete individual season. Yeah, yeah greatest uh, individual uh, you know feats we've ever seen. Right, it, it's it, it's unbelievable. Yep, and again, uh, you're looking at a case where if it does stretch into the postseason, like how many combined home runs that could be, how many combined RPIs. Do you that know could be? how much better he feels now that he oh, did yeah. that? Yep. I mean, you could see the smile on his face. He's probably saying, "Oh, finally!" You know, I've just. Just imagine. And now I think he wants to go back to Yankee Stadium and uh, that break the record break there. the record yeah. there and uh, end this uh, end this craziness. But yep. uh, And they're playing against the Rangers who do not have good pitching, so that should be a good sign for them. So hopefully that happens and ends it. But this was this was right down the middle. This ripped. Was, yeah, l- l- ripped line drive like a fast and he knew over it. 100 X. Mesa knew it. Yeah. Mesa knew it when it came off his back. <laughs> X-Mets pitcher Chris Mesa. He was so happy when he hit that. Watch the, watch the fans out there when he hit that. Look at the heads go. They knew it was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pff, fantastic. Great story. 
Wow. Great that, story. That's a, I, I did, the Blue Jays, obviously, the, there's going to be a lot of Yankees fans in yep. Canada, but I, this looks like it's like majority Yankee fans. That's insane. There's a lot of Yankee yeah. fans. It looks like, really, it looks like 75% Yankee Look fans. at his mom's face. She knew it was gone. Yeah. She knew it was gone. Now mom and dad giving a hug. His father's a giant, too. Wow. Yeah, he is. <laughs> looks like he's like that must six, be six, that six must four. be his brother or his brother in law hugging his mom, but that's, that's... Yeah, those those jeans run deep. Six he looks like he's six foot four, his father. Yeah, he's giant. I I don't know if he I think he was adopted. Oh wow, okay. I didn't realize I, that. I think he was adopted. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but I don't know the whole story, but I, I don't know. But anyways. Uh, that that'd be even crazier then. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, the Giants. Back to the Giants. By the way, one more time, congratulations to Aaron Judge, yeah, number absolutely. sixty-one. Fantastic. Um, losing Sterling Shepard was a big loss because they now they're probably going to release Galladay. Everything that we've heard, they're going to probably release Galladay. Uh, he doesn't fit the offense. It looks like uh, Dable doesn't want him there. I think he's a cancer in the locker room, so he's going to be on his way out. So where is their – what are they going to do at the wide receiver position? They lose Shepard now for the season with the torn ACL. I mean, do you bring – do you you reach out to Odell Beckham? Do, if you think you're a playoff team, do you reach out to Odell Beckham and see how much it would cost to bring him back for another – just a one-year deal? I mean, would you? It's tough because what off of his injury too. Like, is he going to – He'll be back in the second half. Yeah, you would think he's going to be back in the second half. You also could – Look around with it when it came to They're the trade saying deadline. Week eight, week eight. Okay, that's interesting. Week nine. Yeah, again, I think he is a fit for that scheme for sure, Odell, because he has a good, still good route runner. He's not obviously not the same deep threat he used to be when he was with the Giants. But again, I think the Giants once they get their rookies, their young receivers back, those are usually more of the guys that are going to get more downfield. Even if they don't catch it, they're going to at least spread the offense more downfield. Because Brian Dable, I don't think backed down when it came to these receiver injuries as it is when it comes to a schematic standpoint, and that's what you like out of a coach to be able to do that. The Giants have had everything thrown in their face the last couple of weeks when it comes to pressure. The Giants' offensive line was horrendous this week against Dallas. They were bad last week against the Panthers, even though they won. So, But Brian Dable's done a good job at least not backing down of what his scheme is going to be, and he's made some good adjustments, too, and he's going to have to continue to do that now. Now, again, receiver is, throughout the league, a pretty deep position as it is. There's a lot of good ones. Again, some of that has to do with the rules and the quarterbacks, but again, there's going to be a bad team that might have a receiver available. So maybe if the Giants can at least weather the storm and stay average, then you're looking at a chance to maybe get make a trade deadline type trade too. And maybe, again, if it's a younger guy, it could, a guy on a fourth year with not a fifth year option, maybe it's, they can get him cheap too. Like you saw mm-hmm. the Eagles do with Golden Tate when when they traded for him. Dallas did it with him. Or Dallas, when they first traded for Amari Cooper, it was on that same kind of thing too. Right. Uh, he was on, the, the Raiders declined his fifth year option. So they could get that type of receiver that might be able to get a bargain for that kind of thing too. And I think only time will tell in terms of who's going to be contending. Now, the NFL trade deadline's not active like the MLB one is. I, I would definitely look at this because if you're 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 dropping your, everything that we've heard, and it seems like that's what Ben's saying, is the Giants are going to probably release Galladay, which is going to affect uh, obviously their cap next yeah, year. Dead cap. Uh, dead cap, which but I, I think it's better off getting rid of him when dealing with him. Now, uh, the human joystick will probably be there Number one target now, and Robinson should be back soon. Uh, I, I still think you need another wide receiver, and Odell Beckham is by far the best wide receiver available right now. And I, if I was the New York Giants, 
I would reach out to his agent and see what it would cost. He's a free agent. You don't have to trade anything. You pay him. You're getting rid of Holiday. You, you, you sign him for one year. You see what he can do. If he plays well, you, you bring him back. The Giant fans would be ecstatic if you bring Odell Beckham back. I mean, come, come on, man. Giant fans were so upset when they lost him. Now you bring him back and, and be your, your, your main guy and maybe make a run for the playoffs. A, a, a very easy schedule for the Giants, a winnable schedule, uh, being that you're in a very bad division. I mean, I think it's a, bit, a, a great move for the New York Giants. I, think, I really do. Yeah, you wonder what this front office is going to think, too, because, again, a new... I am not an Odell Beckham fan, so. Yeah. Again, you, we've seen them try to make a lot of moves that are scheme dependent too. We were questioning a lot of the day two picks in their draft, but again, some of those, some of those players are scheme fits. And we've seen also with the free agents, we've seen them not try to pay too much to the bigger name players because of these other bad contracts like the Galladay contract. So would it, would a cheap contract to these veteran type receivers be the move for them to make right away with the team that they're in? We see, we see, teams that are really set in place make those types of moves. We've seen it with pass rushers. We've seen it with wide receivers. We've seen it with running backs a lot of the time get bumped around, and they end up being role players on teams that go over to the AFC Championship game and stuff like that. Now, the Giants, are they in that type of position to be able to do that with the dead cap is another question, too. That's why I'm saying that maybe a trade deadline for a, an expiring rookie contract could be an interesting thing to look at, too, if they don't look at Odell. Because you're right, the Giants fans do love Odell. There's no doubt about that. It's just I don't know if these, this front office is going to be as reluctant to just cater to the fans rather than actually do the f- smart football thing. Because we've seen the Bills. I know Joe Shane's not Brandon Bean completely, but the Bills drafted very well based on football things much more than what the fans want, too. All right, Speedy. So why don't we go through all the games, uh, our thoughts, uh, and and really where we see these teams going into week four. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Let's go. Saints, Carolina, as everybody knows, I picked Carolina to you win. Did. You picked the Saints. Uh-huh. I picked the Saints in a blowout. They did not look good in that game. They're, they're offensive skill players outside of Olave really struggling. Even Alva Kamara, I know he just came back from injury, but he hasn't looked right this season either yet. Really, Olave's really carried that whole offense, and that's a bad sign when you have only just one target. As far as the Panthers, they did a nice job spreading the ball around. DJ Moore still really hasn't gotten it going yet, but I think Matt Rule had a better game plan to get other guys involved, which they had to do against that Saints defense. I mean, the defensive touchdown won them the game, but still, it's at least an improvement from last week. Baker didn't have one of those games that didn't really stand out where Wow, this is why they made the move, and that's why he's taken over uh, as the quarterback under the helm of this Carolina Panther team. But uh, Christian McCaffrey had spurks of why he is one of the best running backs in the league. I think this defense played very well in the second half of the game. They shut down Jameis Winston, who, let's be honest, isn't one of those top quarterbacks. But I like what they did, and and the fact is, is that they shut down. Alvin Kamara played in this game. He came back. He didn't really have much of a game. He really didn't. That defense shut him down. They shut the running game down. They made them try to throw the ball. And, and throwing the ball, it didn't work. Thomas wasn't really the guy this uh, this game. They tried to use Alave a little bit more on the outside. It didn't work. And that's why Carolina won. I, I loved what I saw with Carolina. I think they're, they're still fairly dangerous, even though I'm not a big Matt Rule fan. <laughs> I, I still think that Baker Mayfield gives him that spunk that gives him that confidence. So, uh, Carolina, uh, another one of my picks that I uh, surprised everybody with as a winner. Um, Chicago, Houston. I, about what I expected in this game. The, the Bears, you were expecting. Didn't we both pick the Bears? We both picked the Bears, yeah. yep. Was, but again, even back and forth, the Bears still having some tr- trouble stopping the run. Damian Pierce, a nice game for Houston in this one, but. 
the secondary for the Bears has actually been pretty strong, too. I mean, you've seen the impact Matt Eberflus has had on that defense. Uh, Justin Fields bounced back. He didn't, again, it wasn't. He played like crap. It, yeah, it wasn't the it was great horrible. statistical performance, but did have a good fourth quarter, and that ended up helping just enough. It, uh, Khalil Herbert was the big star for the Bears in that game. Their backup running back, David Montgomery, got hurt. Is Justin the Fields biggest. the future of this team? Well, again, it's a very bad situation to trust, but again, if they could get the, some kind of value for him now, it still might be good for them to try to trade him. I don't know at this point. It's tough to tell. It's really I, I don't Honestly, I, I know it's early to say that he's not, but I know they don't have any weapons, and that's not his right. fault. That isn't his fault. But what we've seen so far, even with the weapons they have, he hasn't looked good. He really hasn't. And it, this is a horrible team, so you, you can't make the decision. You can't go crazy. But if you, you go into the, you go into the offseason and you're in a top five, are you really passing up on one of those quarterbacks that could be better than Justin right. Fields? I don't know. I, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know what they I, – I know they have a lot of other weaknesses they need to fill in. So they might say, you know what, let's, let's, let's dial it up and, and see what Justin Fields is when we put players around him. But uh, he hasn't looked good. Uh, really, this game was a battle of two really bad teams that uh, really have nothing – I, I do like Mills. I, I, I do – there's something about this kid. I don't know what it is, Speedy, but he uh, he's he's got that like spunk. I, I I don't know if he's a star in this league. I don't think he is, but uh, I I like him. I, I really do. Uh, Twenty for thirty-two, two hundred and forty-five yards. He did throw two interceptions. Still had a quality game for a guy that really doesn't have that many weapons. So. He'll be a guy that probably down the road will be like a serviceable backup type. I, I like him. If he's a good backup, he, he, I would love him on the Jets as my backup. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of Jets fans would, except for the ones that love Chris Streffler. I, I don't know if he's a backup. I think he's a starter in this league. I, I, I just really don't know if there's any other spots that are obvious, especially with the class coming in now with the 2023. Um, this was probably the surprise of the week besides the Buffalo game. Um, I was kind of... Back and forth with this game. I remember remember telling you. Yeah, you said it would be close. I, I, I said it was going to be close, and I wouldn't be surprised if Indianapolis wins this game. But uh, Indianapolis, Speedy, knocks off Kansas City. Well, yeah, that was a defensive clinic they put on. They were able to take out Travis Kelsey enough. And this was the first game where it didn't look like the, the other receivers knew how to adjust well. And I think – the first game, the, the running game was shut down. I, I did say the Colts' run defense actually has been pretty good this year. So once they took out Hilaire, Mahomes did all he could. But, again, those receivers really, outside of Travis Kelsey, didn't do much in that game. As far as the offense, this is a good sign for them to overcome not having the stars or when the stars get taken out, other guys stepping up too. And the rookie tight end, Jelani Woods, with two touchdowns in that one. The Chiefs contained Jonathan Taylor. And as they've stopped the run well all year, Pittman did a little bit, but not great. It was the other guys that really stepped up, and that's a good sign for Frank Reich and that Colts offense. Yeah, I, I was, I was very surprised. I, I love, I love what Matt Ryan said at the end of the game. He says we, it was a hard, hard game. We, we won the battles, especially in the fourth quarter. And Patrick Mahomes didn't have one of those games that you just like wowed. Uh, there was a lot of questions on some of the play calling of. Uh, Andy Reid, especially in the second half, uh, a lot of mistakes by Kansas City. And that's why they kept Indianapolis in this game, where at some points of the game, you, you thought Kansas City was going to pull away, but they didn't. And and that this was a big win for Indianapolis, a very big win after the first two blunders in the beginning of the season. The, the, the tie with the Texans and then losing against the Jaguars, who uh, have been very surprising, really have been surprising. And Trevor Lawrence is becoming a star right in front of her eyes. But, uh, yeah. Uh, very surprising game. Very good win by Indianapolis. 
Buffalo and Miami. Speedy, I told you. Yeah, you're right. You. you were right about Miami. That defense playing fantastic in that game, especially up front. And maybe this pass rush maybe does have a little something. You saw them really, especially stop Josh Allen running well. They took away the flats, and I think they did a really good job at winning. I had a very good week for you did. Yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. did. And uh, Miami, again, was, was kind of taken out offensively in the first half a little bit. Uh, Chase Edmonds had a nice first half, but kind of died out in the second half. And the Buffalo Bills really did a good job containing Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle got his, but Jalen Waddle started to expo explode more in the second half, but it was the defense of Miami that I was more impressed with uh, down the road. As for Buffalo, this is as talented as they are. One, they're definitely banged up in the secondary, and you saw that at the end of that game when they really didn't get a pass rush, but two, same thing I said about them last year. They were great when they were blowing people out. When it came to one-possession games, they were 0-5, so hopefully they can overcome this close game woes. The Dolphins are in a lot of trouble with this Tua thing because I, I believe these stories are to be true, and, and I'm not surprised that they're one of the teams that are obviously violating uh, you know, protocol for the NFL. So, I, I mean, they, they already lost their first-round pick, so I don't know what the NFL is going to do with them. The fines are probably going to be very high with this, but I, I love everything that I saw with Miami in week number three. I think they're the best team right now in the AFC East. They're not even an argument right now. Uh, they have two explosive wide receivers. They have a very good running game. Uh, and uh, their offensive line has been better than we thought they were going to be. Tua is right now an MVP candidate. Uh, very surprising the season as he has, he's having. And that defense, which we thought was going to take steps back, has been even better than they were last year. It's been very surprising. I have to give a lot of uh, credit to McDaniels, right? I'm not McDaniels. I don't even know the defensive coordinator No, the, Well, the, the coach. Mike the, McDaniels. Mike yep. McDaniels, who... Who's had a, you know, for a guy that looks as small as stature and looks like a nerd, uh, knows how to coach football. And this is another Sean McVay disciple. So, um, very impressed with the Miami Dolphins. Congratulations to them as they're 3-0. First time since 2018. Um, Detroit and Minnesota. Back and forth game. The Lions defense held their own in the first half. They did a very good job throughout the game containing Justin Jefferson. They took a blueprint from the Eagles, what they did last week. The problem is the Vikings were able to get the rest of the guys going. Finally, K.J. Osborne, Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins you know, knew how to use those guys. And Dalvin Cook, before he got hurt in that game, was running the ball well. And Alexander Madison in the fourth quarter, their backup actually did well. Defensively for Minnesota, they were able to adjust and play better in the second half. DeAndre Swift was well contained throughout that game. I thought it was going to be kind of a running game with both of those guys. But Swift was able to, or the Vikings were able to bottle up Swift very well. Amonra St. Brown continues to do well. Can they get somewhere else for the Lions? Is another question because they were great the first two games at getting that, but the third game they kind of force fed him and it hurt him. Of course, the Yankees put Garrett Cole back in because they want to give him the win. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's, I, it's, it, they spoon feed this guy. They really do. Anyways, um, I thought that was a great game. Detroit has been close in every single one of their games. It shows you their coaching. It shows you their confidence, as the swag of this team, defensively, offensively. They're going to compete with everybody. I, I, there's really nothing bad to say. Jared Goff had a, t a decent game again. They can run the ball. Swift had a decent game. And, uh, and uh, Brown is, is, is turning into one of the more underrated uh, offensive players in the league. I, I mean, there's nothing bad that, except the, the giving up a, a the final five, six, seven minutes of the game, giving up the touchdown, it really cost them a chance to win this game. Minnesota, we expect them to be good. I mean, Jefferson and Thielen and, and obviously Cousins, this is a good offense. Their defense, 
we expect them to be decent this year. Uh, uh, didn't really show up against the Eagles, but nevertheless, uh, this was a big win for Minnesota. And still, I, I, I still fear to believe that Detroit is still a dangerous team in this division. So, a fantastic game by Detroit. More fantastic Detroit played the way they did to Minnesota winning the game. The best uh, last place team. <laughs> yeah. Baltimore and the Patriots. The Ravens offense looking a lot better than I would have expected. Lamar Jackson the whole right now is the MVP. Lamar of the Jackson league. looks like an MVP candidate because he he's throwing the ball deep better than he ever has in his career so far, and he's getting other guys involved. Devin Duvernay is having a better year as a result of this. Rashad Bateman had a big game in this one. And Mark Andrews, he was the best receiving tight end last year. And then he had a couple rough games to start this year, but had two touchdowns in this game, broke out the way he did. However, the defense still has had some leaks so far. You saw them in the second half against the Dolphins blow that lead. And now against the Patriots, who don't have a lot of offensive weapons, still had some trouble with some big plays. So still adjusting to not having Wink Martindale is there. How fast can they do that? If they could turn around for the second half, they might be the best team in the AFC. Well, who would have thought that the strength of the Baltimore Ravens would be their offense, not their defense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that has a lot to do with Lamar Jackson. So if I was Lamar Jackson, I'd be saying, show me the money. Because yeah. if you don't, this man is going to be the best free agent on the market next year even if they they can obviously give him the franchise but if he's demanding if you're going to franchise him he's going to want out he's not going to play next year he is going to make himself a lot of money if he wins another MVP that would be the second MVP in four years yeah. uh, it's very impressive what Lamar Jackson is doing uh, with a team that's really known for their defense Hamilton the defensive safety that they brought in in the offseason uh, in the draft has been horrible I, I really, the secondary, I'm questioning the secondary and what the secondary is with all the talent that they had. They, they spent a lot of money bringing in the, the guy from um, the Saints, uh, Williams. Williams. Yeah. He had a good game against the Jets, and then he really hasn't been that good this year. He really hasn't. I know it's early, Marcus Williams, but uh, uh, let's see what they do as the season progressively moves forward. But um, the Patriots stayed in this game. Um, Harris had a good game. They're running game. This is a good running team. They're I don't know who they're throwing the ball to. I feel bad for Mac Jones. I really do. He's now hurt, too. So we'll uh, yes. he, plays. he might not play this week. He which, might not play the next two weeks. Which, uh, you know, it doesn't bolt well for the Patriots. Who knows? Maybe the Patriots have a top 10 pick, top five for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. They draft a quarterback over Mac Jones. I, I don't know if that's what Bill Belichick will do. No, I, th- I feel like they're the team that wants to just, like, reap the benefits of having that Trade pick. out of it. And yeah. you, le- you, get a, you get an RG3 type trade all over again. Um. Yeah, I, that, that's really all I have for that game. I, I just Running game was good. Defense was eh. I, I mean, this Patriot team is really the worst. Honestly, the Patriots are the worst team in that division. Yeah, the fir- it's, the first time Bill Bel- it, it, it's the first time Bill Belichick's team have, have allowed, I think, back to two games this season with back-to-back big plays, like 40-yard plays, like that, all that. In the beginning I, I, and of the I'm season. not one to say that, but uh, – I think Ben said R.I.P. to Coolio, the rapper, I think. Oh, wow. He passed Damn. away. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, that's all. <laughs> uh, Tennessee and Vegas. Uh, back and forth game. The, the Titans got Derrick Henry going finally. They got that offensive line going finally, which has been struggling much of the year. Uh, they did lose Taylor Lewan for the year, which long-term will hurt. But defensively, they had a good game plan on the Raiders' top guys and really made those uh, Derek Carr try to throw to those other guys. No Hunter Renfro definitely hurt them. He's always been that safety blanket type receiver. Mac Collins played well. I guess he was that one guy that broke out. But you're seeing the Cardinals showed it last week, too. If you could take out Devontae Adams, the Raiders' team offense isn't great. Yeah, 
Uh, by the way, RIP to Coolio while you were talking. I, I looked at it. Dies at the age of 59 years old. Damn. Uh, very young. I don't know what he died from. I'll, I'll read the story after the show. But I, I, if you don't remember, uh, para, what was that? Uh, I, it was from a movie, Paradise, um, Gangster oh, Paradise. Gangster's Paradise, yeah. Gangster, yeah, Gangster's, Grammy-winning yes. Gangster's Paradise Gangster's, rapper. I forget what movie that was from, but it was yeah. a, a very popular song in the 90s, late 90s. So RIP to Coolio, the rapper. L- listen, Josh McDaniels is on the hot seat. He, already three weeks into the season, the fans are calling for his head. This is the same thing that happened in Denver. The same the same thing. He takes this job with all the money that they spent in the offseason, giving Adams, Derek Carr, and all these guys, uh, you know, paying the money that they spent, getting rid of this, getting rid of that, getting rid of the GM. It just, I, I don't know where this team is. And they're going to have to pay Jacobs, which I don't think they're going to be able to. No. So uh, I don't know where this team is at. I, I think Josh McDaniels better find a way to win next week because if he don't, uh, it, it's, it's going to be uh, there she was. His head will be out the door just as quick as his ass was in there, in the seat when he got off of the job. So um, Tennessee played a good game. Derrick Henry broke out. We expected that. Um, Tannehill stinks. We expected that as well. I don't, I don't know what this Tennessee Titan team is, but they played a really crappy Vegas Raiders team. So there you go. Uh, Philadelphia, Washington. Well, the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. It's no, showing again. No question. Ralph Facchiano said it last week. He said the, the Eagles are definitely the through two weeks the Super Bowl favorite, the most complete team. They showed it again. Their defense really doing a good job rushing the passer against Washington. Car- had the perfect revenge game against Carson Wentz uh, that you would want. All the Eagles fans definitely loved it, but defensively, they really did a great job. Linebackers played well. They did a, had a good game planning against those wide receivers as well. Jonathan Gannon, who added some head coaching interviews last year, may might be looking at that kind of thing this offseason, too. He's done a fantastic job, and offensively, is there not more anything else Jalen Hurts can do? I mean, we talked about Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen probably being the top two MVP candidates, but Jalen Hurts might be third at this rate, the way he's playing. <laughs> Oh, my God, Jalen Hurts. Listen, you were right about Jalen Hurts. That's why you picked him in your fantasy. I, I think he's I mean, he's another one that's up for an MVP. I, I mean, yeah, the funny thing is I didn't even like him out of the draft. <laughs> I mean, he's, good. I, 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 I didn't like the coach when they hired a coach, and look, look what he's turned out to be. I he was. I thought he was Adam Gase 2.0. Everybody did because just the way his eyes were. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> they, they obviously made the right choice, firing Peterson and bringing this guy in. Because ever since they brought him in, uh, they're winning. So uh, it's it's fantastic. Really great story. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Philadelphia uh, wins this game. Uh, they, they, they're playing on all cylinders. I, I, there's really nothing better to say. Washington needs to find offense. And Carson Wentz did not have a good game. So uh, that's definitely something that you have to worry about. So there you go. Uh, Jacksonville and the Chargers. Well, the Chargers are injured, and that's going to be a big problem for them going forward because we've seen a lot of talented players that the Chargers have had over the years have a lot of injury issues later in their career, and these are young players too. Joey Bosa is now out. He's going to be out on IR with a groin, groin surgery. Rashawn Slater out for the year with a torn bicep. And Justin Herbert now with his ridge injury, rib injury. He played, but again, they just didn't help him out around him. And the running game is still a big, bad issue for them, too. Uh, Austin Eckler, who's been very consistent year to year, has had a rough year, and their backup running backs really haven't done much. This this Chargers team, they're going to f- have to figure out how to use this depth quickly. They have depth at a lot of positions, but 
I, it's one thing to lose a game against the Jaguars like that with all these injuries, but to get blown out, like they really just look disinterested. And again, they're going to have to do, change a lot. As far as Jacksonville, their defense looks for real so far. I mean, again, they played against a banged up Justin Herbert, but still, it's better than we expected. James Robinson, like you said earlier in the show, looks like he's back to that form. And Trevor Lawrence is doing a good job spreading the ball around, too. These aren't the most flashy wide receivers, but he's getting them all involved in different ways, except for Evan Engram, who still can't keep his feet in bounds. I, there's really nothing but impressive, impressive, impressive by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, they've been fantastic. Robinson, Trevor Lawrence, I, I mean, even Kirk. Christian Kirk has had a very good season. Yeah, yes. I mean, it, everything that uh, Peterson has done has worked. And, and this Jacksonville Jaguar team could really surprise the world, and, and they might win that division. It's crazy. It really is. And Trevor Lawrence... He's not having those 400-yard games or 350-yard games like Herbert and Burroughs, but he doesn't need to. He's not making mistakes, and he's doing everything efficient, and that's what you expect a young quarterback to do. So, bravo. Uh, the Chargers have a lot of problems. They can't stay healthy. Herbert is not 100% healthy. Uh, they're, they're losing. They lost their, their best offensive lineman. They lost one of their best defensive players to probably a couple of weeks, five five for four weeks in Bosa, who can't stay healthy. They're in trouble. The Chargers are in trouble. Corey Lindsley's hurt, too. He's, he missed this week and might miss next week as well. They're in trouble. So I, I don't know what more to say about the Chargers. The Chargers might not make the playoffs. Yeah, If they're all banged up like this, it's going to be very hard. Luckily for them, the rest of the division has underperformed, too. Yes. Uh, going back to the Jaguars, though, I guess who they get to play next week? The Eagles. The Doug Peterson revenge game. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the Jacksonville Jaguars win. That would be cool. Uh, Rams in Arizona. Arizona's defense, i got to give a lot of credit to. They've done a good job the last couple weeks after that awful week one showing against the Chiefs. I, Vance Joseph's done a better job at adjusting with these with these depth players and really making them work. They rushed the passer very well. Now, the Rams' offensive line, we've, we talked about it in week one, definitely is not the same as it was last year. But the Cardinals' defense has been eeky at times, too. Outside of Cooper Cup, really everyone else played well in that game for the Rams. Or not everyone else played well in that game for the Rams. They contained everybody else, but the Rams off the Rams defense just had too much. Um, Matthew Stafford had a horrible game. He was on my fantasy team, so I wasn't very proud right. of what I saw so far with him on the field. What I would say is um, this team is going to be run first, throw second this year. It seems like it. They were throw first last year, run second, but now with Acres and and Aker and and now Henderson. They're gonna. They're good. They could do so many different things in the running game, and, and Matthew Stafford is not 100% healthy. So, to me, when you look at the big picture of where these teams are going with Arizona, a, a, in the same division as them, Arizona did not look good. Kyler Murray hasn't looked good. He got a lot of money in the offseason. Uh, Kingsbury is right now on a hot seat. I have not watched Hard Knocks, but I'm very intrigued to watch Hard Knocks now that the season is going on and seeing what's going on in the Arizona Cardinals locker room yeah. because it doesn't seem like it's good. Uh, and and with you listen to Kyler Murray, how he pats himself on the back, that's not what a captain, that's not what a, a quarterback does with your team. You have J.J. Watt there. He looks like he's a big leader there, but he's not the same J.J. Watt he was when he was with the Texans. So no. um, The L.A. Rams have not looked good, uh, but – they're winning games that they need to win and staying, you know, keeping it close. So, uh, bravo to the LA Rams. I don't know what the LA Rams are until they start to play really the better and the more meaty part of their schedule. But it's like, oh, sorry, with the Ravens. Like, it's, they're winning in different ways now. Yeah, they they're are. still winning though. They are, but it, 
you're not going to put fannies in the seats. You're not going to have anybody believe that you're going to go back to the Super Bowl the way you're playing. Uh, Atlanta, Seattle. Well, uh, high, uh, high scoring and certain points, but again, the, the, both these teams are not going anywhere. Atlanta finally got Kyle Pitts involved, which is good to see. Uh, Cordero Patterson. Watch out for good. Atlanta. I, I think they're, they're a lot pesky. better than they're, I think they're a lot better than people think. They're, they're pesky like they were last year. Again, the, the, the defense is banged up right now. They still have some ish injuries with Deion Jones being out. They don't have a lot of edge rushing depth, which Seattle was able to strive off of for a little while. That kept that game close, but again, Atlanta really thrived more on the big plays. I think their coach Arthur Smith's done a pretty good job at managing this team in terms of getting the best out of lesser players but again it's still not a great overall roster can they feed off the rest of the division underperforming maybe but I don't know it's gonna be tough but they do win this game like expected well I, I like some of the young players I Kyle Pitts finally showed up in this game I don't know what's going on over there and why they decided not to throw the ball to him it's affected me in my fantasy so wake up god damn it but uh Atlanta I, I think Drake London's the real deal I think he's a star. If he can stay healthy, he's going to be fun player to watch. He's another big body like Julio Jones. I don't know if he can run like Julio, but right. he could do everything else. He's strong. He's powerful. He can jump. He's an ex-basketball player. I, I Power forward. I think this kid is going to be a fantastic, fantastic player to watch if he can stay on the field and stay healthy. Julio, Julio Jones couldn't, and I'm questioning if this kid could. But if he does, that's – that. and Cordell Patterson – we expect it. I mean, come on. Cordell Patterson, is a, he's a running back. He's a wide receiver. He's really – I remember when he was a first-round draft pick and he was a punt returner, and it, I thought he was a wasted draft pick. But he was a journeyman. Finally, Atlanta brings him in, and, and they figured out how to use him. He's been fantastic. I, I mean, there's really nothing to say. Marcus Mariota had a decent game, and uh, Atlanta's defense played well when they needed to. So, in Seattle, they have a lot of problems. Yeah, I, I just – <laughs> They have a lot of problems. The fact that Pete Carroll's staying in these games has been very impressive. And their two offensive tackles that they drafted this year have played really good. Cross, to me, has been the best tackle in this draft yeah. so far. Yeah, and, by a pretty good margin And so far. The, the kid that they drafted in the third round has been really, really good, too. I think he was a third round. Yeah, a kid from Washington. I'm drawing a blank on his he, name. He, he looks good, too. So the tackles are good. So they finally have a good tackle. You know, two, two duo tackles after Russell Wilson is now gone, and I got my own bone to pick with Russell Wilson. Oh, uh, yeah, Abraham Lucas. That was the other, that's the other time. He looks really Washington good. State. Yeah, he looks really good, really too. Good. Uh, yep. uh, the two tackles have looked really good on the field. Uh, Green Bay and Tampa. Well, Wes, this one's for you. You said my under would not hit, but it did. I, I know Green the Packers Bay in this won. game, too. I, no, I did not have Green Bay, but I, I Wes did. was making a big deal of, like, the over has to hit for Green Bay to win. Uh, yeah, well, no, the under hit. I, the defensive duel, not the quarterback duel we expected. But, again, can you really blame them? They, the Packers have no wide receivers as it is, and Tampa was playing down three wide receivers. So that game, kind of game was expected. But both those offensive lines had a lot of problems in that yeah. game, too. Tampa's offensive lines had a lot of trouble this year as it is. They're in trouble. The Packers are dealing with a lot of injuries right now because David Bakhtiari, they tried to play him, but they he left that game. Elgin Jenkins, who played well for them last year, in and out with injuries. That's a big concern for both of these teams. But the Packers' defense did step up just enough to be able to win that. They've had a rough first two weeks so far, especially against the run. But outside of – It's crazy how they're winning these yeah, games. But uh, this is the first game where they're able to stop the run again nicely against Fournette. Did you listen to Trey and, and, and how, how confident he is with this Packers team? I don't know how He has any, his biased pick. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. Okay. I don't know how he thinks that this team – is a Super Bowl contender of what we've seen so far. They're squeaking by when yeah. they win these games, okay? It's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. Well, it kind of is because he took $50 million and hurt their cap. But, uh, I mean, they got nobody. 
uh, Galladay. They could bring in whoever they want. Yeah, have fun with their overpaid bum in with the Giants saving you or do, saving your season. I, I don't know. I don't know about saving. I think they make the playoffs. I mean, I, I do too. Just with the other NFC teams underperforming, but, but, still, I, but I, I, I think they're they could be one and done in the playoffs. I don't know who he has to throw to unless they find somebody at the trade deadline and they make some kind of crazy move. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing that really stands out to me to say that the Green Bay Packers are a dangerous team. Uh, offensively, they're not scary. Their running game, uh, Jones has looked bad. I. This game, Jones did not look yeah, good. He was good last week, but bad the other two games. Uh, yeah. Dylan's been better than him. And uh, the defense is the only thing that really stands out to me with Green Bay. Uh, Tampa, uh, they're injured. Tom Brady hasn't looked the same. This is not the same Tom Brady. Okay? It, it's just not. Something's going on with his family life. It's affecting his game. Uh, he doesn't look 100% healthy. He looks like he lost a lot of weight, and he looks drawn from what he looked like last year. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, that two-point conversion was a big mistake, that five yards. And, yeah. that, and honestly, that was on offsides twice. That, that touchdown shouldn't have counted. But nevertheless, uh, the, Green Bay, the Green Bay Packers pulled out that win, and I want to hear by the coach. And you know I'm talking about on the Green Bay Packers, uh, Mr. LaFleur saying that it was a great win. It wasn't a great win. It was a boring pathetic win against a team that had missed their two best wide receivers. So brag about it all you want. If you meet in the playoffs like that and you play like that, you don't stand a chance. Nope. Uh, San Francisco, final game because we talked about Dallas and the Giants. Giants, The final game of the week. uh, The very boring and I mean very boring Sunday night football game. San Francisco and Denver. By the way, Denver pulled off that win. I, I, I don't know how they're They've won two games. I really don't. Well, the, some of the Bears, so who knows at this rate. But, yeah, the 49ers offense went back to what it was at the beginning of last season where if Debo Samuel gets taken out, they have to find other guys, and they didn't adjust enough to be able to find those other guys. Debo Samuel was having a great year in the first half, and the Niners' offense was sluggish, and they started 2-4, and four, and it looked like that kind of thing again. When, they, when Jimmy G doesn't target these other guys, it doesn't make for a good team offense. Also, I think the running game – they kind of force-fed Jeff Wilson when it wasn't working, too. We see Kyle Shanahan make adjustments all the time with his running game, and he didn't do that in this game. Like, yeah, he'll feed the hot hand when the hot hand's going on, but it wasn't going on. So why are, not try- why are you not trying some other things with that type of thing? So I blame Kyle Shanahan in that sense, but also Jimmy G. Like, if Debo Sam- the Broncos took away Debo Samuel. Find other guys to make it work, and they really didn't do it. Their defense held their own. Them and the Buccaneers, really, they've had – great defenses that they haven't had the offenses yet. The Broncos, I still don't trust them, even though they won the game. They're, they're, their offense is just ugly right now. Just awful to watch. They can't get a run it, game. It, it does look ugly, but they're, they're still winning. You <laughs> yeah, know? They, yeah, it just, it's, it's not ugly, sustainable. but they're winning. It's not sustainable. They beat a San Francisco 49ers team that I think that, you know, in the beginning of the year, I thought, you know, with Jimmy G on the helm, they could make, they could make it to the Super Bowl. Now, I, I, I'm obviously going to change that because I don't know what San Francisco is, but I was, you know, the fact that the game was close and Denver stayed in the game and they won that game. What are they? Two and one. The two and one. They beat the Texans sixteen and nine. That division. And won this game eleven to ten. That division is very questionable. The, the 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 Vegas Raiders are horrible. Yeah. The Chargers might be fighting injuries. So, and, and, and let's be honest, Kansas City. They played a game against the Indianapolis Colts. They should have won. So this division. 
you got two teams that are two and one. Who would have thought? Could you imagine the Broncos win this division with Nathaniel Hackett the way he's been coaching? <laughs> the, the sad thing is, this is how much I don't trust the Broncos. I still trust the Chargers as banged up as they are more than the Broncos right now. It's crazy. It really is. And Russell Wilson has not looked good. No. So, uh, overpaid player could be in the rain. And this is a this has a lot of weapons. There, there is no excuses for Russell Wilson. None. If he makes an excuse on this, well, this, this, and there, there's nothing he can sell to us right now to say that he is having a good season. 20 for 33, 184 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. That's not good enough for a team that's a contender, okay? Yeah, what they're doing is not sustainable. They're winning just ugly, and it doesn't work all the time. And you're not going to get away with it unless you have good coaching, well, which, Aaron by the Hicks, way, they don't. Aaron Hicks is actually hitting now, guys. So Yeah, who would have thought? Uh, maybe he makes the roster now. <laughs> good. You could be the last guy and just uh, bench warm forever. You could pinch run. You could be, be, a, be a pinch runner. Who knows? The Yankees got a lot of guys. Um, and that is our picks of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow, uh, we have a great show lined up for you guys. Uh, Speedy, who do we have on? The return of John Daigle, our first guest that will be on for the fourth time. He is a uh, 4 for 4 fantasy football, bet spurts, NFL fantasy. Used to work for NBC. Yep, used to work for NBC Sports Edge as an uh, analyst. NFL fantasy football, mm-hmm. uh, sports betting, he does college football, does everything. Yeah. And Emmy Award winner, like you mentioned to us last time, too. Yes. And as a... Uh, who, as Ryan Newton told us when we had on the show, him on the show too, now Wedding Crasher, <laughs> which will go. be great. And then uh, our second guest, uh, Derek Mountain, uh, is a big college football and NFL analyst as well. He'll be joining us at 10 He's an PM. expert. He's yes. an expert. Uh, Brian Mountain is my agent now. He's, he's, he's my, part of my management team. And uh, his father, Steve Mountain, is very well respected. He's a very well-known agent in the industry. So, uh, you know, I... I Talked to Brian. I said, I want to get your son on. I heard he has a lot of knowledge in college football and and, and, and the NFL football. So I would love his takes and uh, having a little fun with him. I think we'll have a lot of fun with him tomorrow. Make him laugh. Uh, This is the first time he's been on a show like this. So uh, very excited to have our our guest on. Daigle is a... Interesting cat, too. He's our first four-time guest of the show, yeah. John Daigle. Uh, before, uh, I know you mentioned uh, yeah. the passing of Coolio. The, uh, yeah. the movie you were looking for was Dangerous Minds. Dangerous Minds. Uh, yes, uh, with Michelle Pfeiffer in that. Uh, ben also says former Jets cornerback Corey Ballantyne also was on the Giants as well, signed to the Green Bay practice squad. Uh, and he also says, has a UFC comment. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg yes. supposedly rented out UFC Vegas 61 event for him and his friends to watch it in private, taking it off pay-per-view. Dana White said it's on Twitter just now, it's not true. Mm. Who cares? Honestly, uh, thank you, Ben, but Dana White's an idiot. All right. I, I'm not a big fan of Dana White. And as far as Mark Zuckerberg, or Zuckerberg, uh, he's a rich dude um, that has billions and billions of dollars and tries to find something to be a part of the, I guess, the social media world. Okay. So I. I, I'm tired of listening to these guys and, and, and what they're doing with their spare time. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help my life. So why do I give a crap? So that's just my opinion. Really nothing else to sell on that. I, 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 you know, it's so interesting when you, we talk about over the last couple of years and, and, and some of these multi-billionaires like Elon Musk and, you know, Bezos and all these guys that have their hands dipped in the world and where the world is going and politics and and, and, and we sit here and we wonder, you know, what did we do wrong 
when you see these guys and how much money they, they bring in for whatever they do. And they're intelligent men. They really are. And look at these billionaires that own these sports teams. And they, 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 every single day they're making millions and millions of dollars either off of us or something that they have invested into. You know, so I, you know, when I sit here and I talk sports or really just talk on a radio show, I, I try to get away from the craziness that, that's going on around the world. And there's a lot. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to all the Florida people down there, uh, you know, that are losing their homes, their businesses, their cars, their property. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible what's going on in the world. And we got to stick together. This is, you know, it doesn't matter what you are, okay? You know, uh, from ethnic to religion to anything, we have to stick together. This is the our world is 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 perishing in so many different ways. I mean, the ozone layer and you know in Antarctica, the the it's not cold enough to keep the ice and the plates and yeah, global warming. Global warming and it's just a lot of crazy stuff going on. And then the, the wars that are going on from Israel over there that's been fighting for years to right now in Russia and and all the in Ukraine and it's just crazy. It really is and. We as a nation that are very powerful and powerful individual, individually and together, we got to stick together no matter what. It's just, it's just – it's crazy. It really is. And sports kind of gets you away from that, you know? It really does. Me as a – I mean, I don't watch sports like for like 24 hours a day. Oh, yeah, you're busy. I know. You know, but I, I, I talk sports. I investigate. I, I, you know, I watch the games that I need to watch, and I, I want to be knowledgeable of what I'm talking about to entertain you guys and stuff like that. I stay away from the politics. I stay away from what's going on in the world because it'll make you go crazy. Yeah. There are crazy things going on that nobody even talks about. And when they do talk about it, people shake it off like it's nothing. So, you know, just be happy that you're alive, honestly. I mean, that you can eat every day, you can go to sleep every day, and, and just know that you're, you know, you're a human being. What is, what is, what is Snug saying? I watch sports 22.7 hours no, per I day. No, I was sports 22.7 hours per day. Well, whether that's a typo or not, I'm not really sure what that means, Snug. <laughs> Whatever the case is, you know. I, I think that the world is so important to 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 think that you know all the crazy things that are happening, all the the, the nasty things that are going on in the world. You have to understand that you're alive, you have your health, and, and you could sit and watch a sports game. You could still root for the Giants or the Jets or or watch Aaron Judge hit number sixty one. You know, it, it's that's a privilege to live here in the United States. So. Cherish the moments that you have. Cherish the moments, the people that you're with, because you don't know when they're going to be gone. So, and that's something that's coming from me. All right, and this is not sports oriented on this, uh, but I, I talk from the heart. So, I, again, shout out to the people in Florida that are dealing with what they're dealing with, and uh, you know, hearts go out to you and your families, and uh, hopefully, everything gets better a lot sooner than later. So. Yes. Um, tomorrow, we will have, uh, obviously, um, Derek Mountain on the show. Uh, Daigle will be joining us, ladies and gentlemen. So it'll be uh, 
a great show. Uh, we will get into our week four picks. Imagine that. We're already in week four of the NFL. It's crazy how fast this goes. It really is. It's it, the longest off season and the faster individual season. It really is. It goes one, two, three. And uh, we'll get into baseball, hockey, football, you know, everything. Uh, it, it's a big show, 9 o'clock. Tune in. Uh, we will definitely make you laugh, uh, as always, and uh, make you cry, I yes. guess. Especially when we hear about the John Daigle wedding stories from his perspective. Oh, uh, cry as in laugh at that. Well, yes. I mean, Daigle is, you know, he seems like he's wedding crashing every every time yep. he, he goes out on the weekends. I mean, yep. By the way, the Yankees are up 6-3. to three. Uh, Eighth inning, man on first and second, no outs. Uh, yes, Garrett Cole is off the mound. Thank God. And Clark Schmidt now in. I don't know who he relieved. Unless Cole Lassen into that inning, but I doubt it. <laughs> no, I don't think he did. Anyways. Um, yeah, uh, we will be back on, well, on Thursday, tomorrow at 9 p.m. Uh, Thursday Night Football, we have the, hold on, we have the Miami Dolphins versus the Bengals, I think. Good job. Right? Yes. Uh, that will be uh, a fun game, and I have a surprise for you on my pick tomorrow. So, there you go. So, definitely tune in tomorrow, and I've been dead on on my picks. So, uh, you might want to hear the great one make his picks tomorrow. Uh, that's it. Good night, as always. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.